we open on an eye because of course we open on an eye it's an eye that's covered in sand blue in hue with specks of red blood from the passengers of oceanic 815 but don't be freaked out it's just a fake eye it's just a glass eye that has been squashed and strewn about the beach of the island as Oceanic 815 has just crashed. The wreckage still smoking as survivors of this improbable act of disaster are running all over the beach, screaming for their loved ones, trying to make sense of their circumstances. And one of those people is Billy Wallace. And Billy Wallace is the owner of this fake eye, and he is covering the empty socket that he hopes nobody will see. He is so frazzled. He is so scared. He is so anxious. He is so confused. But most of all, he feels very, very mortified and self-conscious if anybody gazes upon his true face. So with one hand, over his eye, he is scrambling across the beach, looking to find this missing item that is so typically snugly in his head. And there he sees it across the way. He has to hop over, smoking pieces of, of jet plane and, and, and bodies, B-O-D-Y-S, that he is climbing over. And he is just within reach of the small orb on the beach when suddenly... A big, black-booted foot stamps down on Billy's eye as he looks up in simultaneous frustration and a startled moment. He sees a nicely toned pair of legs leading up to a six-pack beyond all belief to a pair of pecs with a giant gash across it. But that is the only mark that cuts through the beauty of the one and only Rodney Sesto. The man with hazel green eyes looks back at the one-eyed man. He had just been gathering some seawater to help wash some of the, the cuts that were going on with all the people in various circumstances. A, a triage was almost set up around Rodney, his attempt to assist in at least some regard before a, Jack, a man named Jack Shepard will eventually take over as he vaults out through the jungle. He looks down and sees the, the, the eye that he stepped on, not even realizing that it was just a small rock at first. Rodney picks up the eye curiously between two fingers, putting his task aside. He looks down at the man clutching his eye and simply asks, This yours, man? And Billy responds, You stepped on my eye, Sticks! Uh, uh, he not thinking of any sort of comeback in true Rodney fashion. He simply throws the eye back to Billy, turns around, accidentally splashing a bit of water in this poor one-eyed man's face, and goes back to running. And this is the start of a terrible friendship.
Lost is over, but we have to go back down the hatch. It's the Lost Rewatch podcast here on Post Show Recaps. And today it is episode one of the Lost RPG on Down the Hatch. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler. I am joined here by Mike Bloom. I will be playing the part of Billy Wallace. Mike Bloom will be playing the part of Rodney Sesto. The role I was born to play, Josh. <laughs> oh, my God. Knowing some of the details that I know about Rodney Sesto, I don't know if that's necessarily true, <laughs> uh, but I'm very excited to get into it and for everybody else to meet these characters that we have created for The Lost RPG, which is going to be a series of bonus podcasts that will suddenly appear along the way here on Down the Hatch as triggered by the frozen donkey wheel some weeks earlier. Uh, and, of course, this this is not a podcast that we could do without uh, the the Jacob to this project, the leader of this project, the man who will be DMing us through our journey across the island over the next uh, 100 years or however long it's going to take us to accomplish this mission. It is the one, the only uh, he is known as our Philly across the internets, and he is known nearly and dearly in my heart and Mike's heart as Rich Filiberto, Rich, welcome to the island, sir. Well, hello. Thank you, gentlemen, for inviting me down the hatch. I am honored. Some say that you've just been in the station for the past uh, couple of years, just pushing a button every 108 minutes or rolling a pair of dice every 108 minutes. Yeah, that's actually what I do. I roll a hundred sided die every eight minutes and then I have to enter in a complex numeric sequence totaling the amount rolled actually i'm hiding in upstate new york josh don't <laughs> oh god no no you don't want to be there uh, bad things bad things as antonio mazzaro can attest all right so if you are listening to this and you do not understand exactly what is happening here totally fine that is acceptable weird <laughs> things are occurring as we speak this is going to be the first episode of the lost rpg podcast that we will be doing on down the hatch it is not the first time that we have done an RPG podcast on post show recaps are Philly Mike Bloom and myself we did one of these as our final Stranger Things 3 podcast for the season 3 coverage that we did over this summer uh, Rich you can explain a little bit more about what it is we are exactly doing we're basically taking tabletop role playing games and turning them into podcasts that's the general uh, gist of it but you can give us the, the greater specifics for sure yeah that's precisely what we're doing tabletop role-playing games for anybody not familiar with that term which is probably the vast majority of you um the most popular of them will be dungeons and dragons most people have heard about it we're in a little bit of a renaissance these days it's out there in the world certainly it's a huge part of stranger things right but basically we've got ourselves a little rule system and the two of you have sat down with me and created a couple of characters Um, Not to get too deep into it, but your characters have attributes and skills that are going to help you overcome challenges, which we will encounter. And we're going to take these characters and we're going to run them through a series of scenes, Uh, just like we're kind of putting on our own episode of a television show. And uh, we'll see how you guys react. I obviously have no idea what you're going to do or what you're going to say. You have no idea what I'm going to present you with. And therein lies the beauty of uh, this enigmatic thing called tabletop role playing. We will uh, improvise together to tell a story and we'll play to see what happens. Very appropriate to Lost in terms of us sort of creating this community 
within a podcast. Uh, and, you know, I guess if we can't roll together, then we will surely die alone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One sided die alone. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm so excited about this. As I had said during the uh, the Stranger Things podcast that we did, I'm a I'm a newbie to this world, which may surprise some people if you've like caught me making references to Final Fantasy and stuff along the way here over the course of my podcast career. In fact, just this morning, I was playing the Final Fantasy VIII remaster very, very happily in my living room. Yes. So I, de- I, I, I definitely have the nerd credentials, but somehow uh, the tabletop RPG thing just passed me by. I did not have friends who were into it. I didn't ever have really the chance to... Uh, I've never played Magic the Gathering, which feels like a big gap in my, uh, in my, in my pop culture know-how. Uh, and I, I've really very, very, very limited experience when it comes to D&D and things like that. So the Stranger Things tabletop RPG that we did was uh, was was a first for me in a lot of ways, and like I, I, I've got the taste, yes. I've got the I've got the hunger for more, uh, and here we are. Mike Bloom and I have launched this ridiculous, some would say ill-conceived and unadvisable podcast adventure that we are doing with the next decade of our lives as we are going down the hatch and returning to the island and talking about Lost every single week. Uh, and as part of that, uh, we have these bonus podcasts, which are probably even more ill-advised and will eventually <laughs> will eventually be reconceived just because we are going to have to keep ourselves alive. Um, but I, I think this was the first one that we triggered, and I, I'm so happy that we did, because I think that... There's so much potential to the world of Lost. Obviously, what we are talking about here is like glorified fan fiction. We are we are mm-hmm. really we are really getting getting in the weeds with stuff that is like very 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 explicitly not canon. But we are we are going to try and be as respectful to the Lost mythos as humanly possible in the sense that we don't want to disturb the events of Lost. Whatever happened on Lost happened, but we are going to be playing uh, sort of like a Nikki and Paolo-esque yeah. side story. Expose uh, adjacent. Yeah, expose adjacent as we are doing this Lost RPG, which uh, I I am so excited to to do more of this stuff and to to marry this new interest of mine that that Rich you really put in my brain uh, with this uh, with this with this world that I obviously love so much in Lost I, and to do it alongside you, Mike, I think it's going to be hysterical and and very strange and hopefully very great. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I have a little bit more of uh, RPG experience than you do both, I guess, on screen and uh, in real life and uh, and with physical pieces. But I mean, this is one of my favorite things to do. The thing that I love about RPGs, especially tabletop ones, and especially something like Dungeons and Dragons or what we're playing today, which is a bit of a modification of of a game system called Tales from the Loop. But what I love about it is essentially combines, you know, that nerdery with the concept of improvisation and creating characters and like rich said we're gonna be thrown into situations that we have no idea how to handle but with just a base level of who these people are they're going to react accordingly whether or not it's the correct call or the incorrect call it's mostly going to be the latter but in that case it's going to produce extremely entertaining results 
Okay, so if this sounds like the podcast for you, then stick around and listen. If not, we are going to be coming your way with our podcast about White Rabbit in the very near future. We're going to be recapping the first Jack-centric episode in short order. So the standard down-the-hatch podcasting will be proceeding as scheduled. This is indeed bonus content for you and potentially the start of an amazing, ridiculous journey that we will be on in some way, shape, or form for the next little while. If you are just wanting to to do something else entirely and step away from the island for a moment and watch a different show entirely and step into a completely different universe, boy, do I have the show for you. It's Carnival Row. It's the new fantasy series that is currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. I don't know if you've heard about it yet, Mike, but Carnival Row is a one-hour fantasy drama series that is starring Orlando Bloom, who is not your cousin, and Cara Delevingne, who is also not your cousin. Yes, but actually the showrunner might be my cousin. So the familial <laughs> ties, they just keep digging deeper and deeper, Josh. We, we will have to investigate that to see if it is true. Carnival Row is a series that is set in a Victorian fantasy world filled with mythological immigrant creatures whose exotic homelands were invaded by the empires of man. They struggle to coexist with humans, forbidden to live, love, or fly with freedom. Orlando Bloom plays Rycroft Philostrate, also known as Philo, not known as R. Philly, uh, which... Uh, uh, it, it's a little confusing since we have our Philly here on the line. Uh, indeed, it is me. And I do, in fact, live in a place called the Berg. So it's even more confusing. And wow. it alarms me about the fact that Mike might be my cousin. We'll deal with that later, I guess. We'll deal with that later. Uh, Phil is a police inspector investigating a string of gruesome murders, threatening the uneasy peace of the row. Cara Delevingne is playing Vignette Stonemoss, a fairy refugee who flees her war-torn homeland to come to the Berg, where Philly lives, uh, where she must contend not only with rampant human prejudice against her kind, but with the secrets that have followed her to this new land. But even in darkness, hope lives as this human detective and fairy rekindle their dangerous affair despite an increasingly intolerant society carnival row it's available for you right now it's on amazon prime video if all of that sounds fun to you i highly recommend it go check it out uh with all of that said i think it's time to turn back to the island Uh, i think it's time to to start talking about this story that we are about to embark upon ourselves which it, it should be noted i think this was something that we talked about offline that the events of these lost rpg bonus podcasts will will never go further than where we are in a down the hatch recap podcast so the events of today's podcast can only go so far as the memorial service at the end of walkabout is that correct rich that is 100 percent correct Okay. Um, Mike, you got anything else or should we just hand the frozen donkey wheel over to to our Philly? No, I'm very intrigued to see where he's going to take us on this crazy journey. So he will lead. We will follow. All right. You have the island, Rich. Take us away. As I take hold of the frozen donkey wheel, I crank it. The camera zooms out, pulling away from uh, Rodney, Rodney Sisto and Billy Wallace as they separate on the beach. And we take in the chaos that we're all so familiar with. We see Jin screaming in Korean. We see Shannon uh, wildly gesticulating, uh, screaming at the top of her lungs. Michael runs uh, across the scene, yelling for Walt, our dear friend Walt. And uh, I think as the camera pulls back higher and higher, we see chaos everywhere. There are people hurt. There are people injured. There are people trapped. And um, we begin to pull down in and, and we see a scene here 
in the jungle at the base of a tree. We see an old uh, white fella with wiry hair, deep brown eyes, and he's trapped under wreckage at the base of this tree, hanging in the branches above him. At least 30 feet in the air is a, a tumble of shattered branches and seats from 815, as well as a, a significant section of the fuselage. And as we cut back to the rich brown eyes of this uh, crazy white fella trapped under the wreckage at the, at the foot of the tree, we hear the snapping and the twisting of the branches as a piece of the fuselage breaks away. And we watch the reflection falling towards him uh, in his eyes. And he begins to scream wildly for help, which pulls us back to uh, Billy and Rodney on the beach. As you two are separating, you hear these frantic cries of help in the distance coming from the woods over the cacophony of the engine roaring and uh, people yelling. Uh, a man runs up to the two of you and grabs you like, do you have a pen? Do you have a pen? I need a pen. Do, does either of you have a pen? I, n- no, can't say I'm much of a he writer, turns, man. taking off, running away from you as soon as uh, uh, you, you cannot give him that which he seeks. Um, but there's another cry in the ocean. Uh, you, you guys can hear the yells of, of a woman, clearly a female voice. Help! Help me! I can't swim! Help! The screams from the forest. Help! Help! What are you guys going to do? Oh, my God. I am going to, uh, first of all... I'm going to rip off a piece of my own shirt, uh, which I can do with with uh, the the adrenaline that is coursing through my veins from the intensity of the experience. And I am going to then rip the sleeve of my shirt to a point that it is it is in uh, much more of a bandaged condition. And I am going to wrap it around my face so as to hide my open eye socket from the world. I can't have anybody seeing me in this condition. So after I do this, I look something akin to a, uh, a, a jungle strewn phantom of the opera uh, with this, <laughs> with this mask across uh, my Billy face. Billy loves the organ. That's what his flashback will show. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and I'm going to look at Rodney and say, People seem to need our help, Rod. Uh, or I guess I don't know. <laughs> I don't know your name yet. Maybe we should know each other's name. Who are you? What's your deal, I guy? Uh, R- Rodney. Rodney Sesto. Uh, listen, I'd love to meet you, dude. But uh, I got. I got to save somebody. And I think that Rodney is going to take advantage of the opportunity to strip off his shirt and what's left of it, and he is going to firmly jump in the ocean and paddle off of this straggling southern woman. Okay, great. Uh, Rodney throwing his shirt to the sand, uh, uh, high-stepping as he charges into the waves, making for the crystal blue water of, of this paradise ocean that's currently uh, embalmed in chaos. And, and certainly you could see uh, maybe 150 yards out, quite far, frankly, uh, somebody flailing wildly, the splashing. You could hear the yelling, please help me, help! So, uh, Rodney, you're going to try to swim out there? Oh, absolutely. Why don't we have you uh, take this opportunity to make the first roll and you can take uh, you can make a move roll. So it'll be a move plus your body. That's five dice. All right. And I should we should mention at this point that uh, Josh and I have created character sheets for the two people that we will be playing over the course of this. They have specific stats Uh, for time's sake. We are not going to stop down and explain all those stats and what they are, but we are going to roll in the category of said stats and they will either result in a failure or a success. 
based on that result, Rich is going to determine how the rest of the scene runs. So right now, Rodney is rolling to see if he is going to be able to swim out there in time. Will he be a Charlie or will he be a Michael? Let's see. That is one success. One success. So Mike's rolling six-sided dice. He's looking for sixes. Sixes are a success. And to that end, uh, Rodney, like like Ozzy Luth, leaps out into the water <laughs> and begins uh, just carving his way out, covering distance. It seems like the man is, is moving uh, three yards a stride with each stroke. It's clear this man's a physical specimen. He has spent a good deal of time rollerblading on Venice Beach, and uh, with that, he- yeah, he loves to reenact the opening credits of Three's Company with nobody in particular. That's what really got him so attuned to that. Uh, that's the most fantastic thing ever. I can't believe you didn't save it for a flashback. With that, <laughs> uh, Just him riding the carousel alone. <laughs> <laughs> Rodney carving his way through the water um, covers the distance easily. And, and you find yourself coming up on this woman who's clearly struggling desperately. She's holding on to what looks like a, a flotation device, a piece, perhaps a cushion from one of the seats of 815. Uh, but it's clear that there's panic and fear in her eyes. And the panic is, is her worst enemy in this scenario. Um, she could just be sitting there floating, but she's not. Uh, she's wildly like fighting, trying to cover the distance to get towards the shore, making no ground. And as she sees you, she's like, oh, my sweet heavens, please help me. Okay, I'm I'm here. I'm here. Everything's fine. I'm going to scoop her up uh, under my arm and I'm going to try to, you know, one hand paddle us back. I'm going to ask her, can, can you swim? Can you swim back or do, do you not know how to swim? I, I don't know how to swim. I'm from Georgia. I, I ain't never been in an ocean like this. Oh, my God, please help me. Well, welcome to the ocean, and yeah, I'm, I'm helping you. Don't worry, okay? We're going we're gonna to get you back safe and sound, though. Spoiler alert, it's not too great back on the beach either. Uh, and I will tattle her back, and I will not make much chit-chat on the way there, even though she seems to be totally, you know, up for conversation, despite her life being hanging by a thread. <laughs> she's, uh, she's a very chatty Kathy. And so as you're able to, like, get your arm around her, and you, you begin, like, driving now with your legs, pushing yourself back towards the shore, uh, turning back around, you take in the sight of carnage from a distance. You can see the flu- the fuselage burning, smoke, people scattering like ants all over the beach. And I think it's at this moment that there's a rocking just explosion as uh, something looks like it gets sucked up into one of the engines. It just detonates this huge ball of fire. People are knocked to the ground on the beach. And as you start uh, uh, trying to now carry this woman back against the, the riptide and the undercurrent pulling you back out towards the ocean, Rodney, uh, why don't we have you make a four roll so that's gonna be your force plus your body okay that is one success one success excellent uh rodney is a strong fellow this is not the first damsel in distress whose aid he has come to uh he he's swam with sandbags in the beach i imagine before and so uh you're easily able to to cover the distance, pulling yourself back up as the ground comes up beneath your feet and you're able to stand, this woman taking her feet next to you. And I think she turns and, and kind of throws herself, her arms around you, just like, oh, my sweet heavens, you saved my life. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to help uh, Rodney as I sort of like push her away and awkwardly offer my hand to her. Um, as she now like steps back from, from you and like, uh, uh, kind of takes in the scene around, she's 
seems like totally distracted before she even offers her hand back in response. She's a sort of long, like sandy blonde haired woman. Um, she's wearing a, a blue shirt with stripes on it with her midriff exposed and jeans that are, that are soaking wet. And, uh, she reaches her hand out to you, uh, finally, like, uh, kind of, kind of gathering her senses amidst this chaos. And she's like, uh, Sarah, my name's Sarah. All right. Uh, listen, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Stripes, I guess your name is. Uh, listen, y- y- if you're OK, can you go help anybody literally drag people out from under things? Uh, do you know CPR at all or, or anything? Wait, We got to get as many people out of this chaos as possible. And for God's sake, dry those clothes off before you end up getting pneumonia. <laughs> she uh looking around taking at the seed she's like help uh uh yeah yeah i, I can help somebody uh, I-, I own a thrift store i, I don't know cpr but but and she, and she kind of uh dazedly begins kind of like meandering away from you rodney as um you guys see this really young handsome fellow that accosted you before come racing up to her and just grab her soaking wet like do you have a pen do you have a pen i need a pen um billy where have you been in the midst of all of this? Uh, so the, the the bandage is tightly secured around my head, and I have gone to the water, uh, just sort of watching Rodney in some state of both fury over the fact that he has ruined my fake eye. I have it in my hand, and it's just warped. There's no way this is ever going back into my face. Uh, and also, ah, with the with the skill with which he has just saved uh, Sarah Stripes, um, I catch a glimpse of myself in the reflection of the ocean, and I see what the bandage looks like on my face. And to be honest... I'm kind of impressed with the look. <laughs> like to be quite frank, I feel like uh, like almost like this is my best look that I've had in years and this is something that's been important to me. This is something that has uh, that I've been struggling with on so many different levels that I find myself feeling sort of this renewed sense of confidence uh and it's not until maybe the screams from the from the beach and and perhaps specifically the jungle finally rattle me out of my self-absorbed haze. Yeah, I think that uh, finally the scream from the jungle, you hear this one final desperate. It's much louder than the earlier ones of like, Help! and then there's a crash. There's a sound of like a, like something heavy falling and things breaking, metal rending and bending. And, uh, and it shakes you loose from this, this moment of confidence brimming in you, but, um, feeling like a certified badass as the image of your own face reflecting back at you, uh, it lingers in your mind. Uh, You turn towards the, towards the jungle. Are you going to go after it? Yeah, absolutely. Because now I, I, the adrenaline is back. There is a self-assuredness that I am feeling. Uh, I have this sense that maybe just maybe this is my moment and this is going (laughs) to be the fuel for me to someday tell a great story about my unlikely rise from the ashes of disaster. And this is part of it. And I'm feeling pulled towards this moment. So I'm, I'm sprinting off to the jungle at this point. Uh, amidst the terror and panic that is weaving its way through the survivors scattered on the beach. Um, Billy Wallace feels confidence brimming 
uh, he, he was, he was supposed to be here in this moment. And so charging, uh, breaking into a stride, you race towards, uh, the last location where you heard the sound of the scream and the crash. And you begin darting through the pa underneath the palms and over the ferns, uh, leaping and climbing, like racing into, into the jungle itself. And, uh, after a few moments, uh, a big, heavy yellow lab kind of like darts out across the path in front of you running running out off into the jungle gone as quickly as you saw him um and i'm not a fan of dogs i'm a cat person so this is terrifying uh, he's a big dog and so kind of following the path that he takes you can see um this crazy white fellow with this shag of hair trapped underneath what looks like a huge section of the fuselage and like uh, one of the seats from 815 that's fallen. There's a tumble of branches and uh, he looks like he's not moving. He's silent. He's slumped over. What are you going to do? I'm going to investigate. I'm going to see if there is some way that I can, because I, I, I don't know that I've got the physical strength to rest him out of here, but maybe there's going to be some sort of clever way I can, I can help this guy out. Okay, excellent. So uh, why don't you going to, you're going to investigate. So it's investigate plus mind, which for Billy Wallace is six dice. I believe Mike is the dice master today. I am. I'm rolling them bones in true lock fashion. They are actually bones, much like the ancient Mesopotamians. Here we go. That is a failure. That uh, I, is a failure. Okay, so let's take a moment. We're not going to spend too much time on the rules here, but there's a few things that you could do, Billy, in order to modify this role. You can call upon your conviction to automatically succeed at this. Uh, you can call on one of your secrets and trigger a flashback scene to gain an automatic success if you think that's relevant. Or you could spend one of your Dharma points to re-roll the failed dice or push yourself to re-roll the failed dice. I think that I'm feeling so convinced that this is my moment that I am just going to I, I am going to push through and I am just going to save this man from his situation. OK, so you're going to push the roll. So we're going to have. You Listen, I'm destined to be important. <laughs> People are going to know who I am. Mm. People will know me, and this is my time to shine. So there is no failure. Failure is not an option for Billy Wallace in this all-too-important moment. Perfect. It all starts here, Billy. This is your moment. You were, you were born for this. Uh, so with that, you're going to reroll all the failed dice, which is all six dice. And um, we're going to trigger a condition. The conditions are the things that happen to you when you fail to overcome trouble. I think what's going to happen is you're going to end up starving after this. You're really going to push yourself. Uh, you didn't get a good breakfast. Am I not already incapacitated a little bit? Uh, incapacitated is very bad. So you're definitely not incapacitated. <laughs> yeah. um, unless you think there's a better one. Is it angry? Are you going to get angry as you do this? Or, yeah, I think or that wounded? I think well, I think I'm a little angry because like my initial attempts to save this guy aren't working uh, and I'm feeling a little bit of this frustration. It's this it's this mixture of this like overwhelming sense of purpose and importance. And yet, uh, once again, I'm finding myself in this situation where I, I've been here before. Billy has been here before where everything seems like it's lined up perfectly for for a moment of, 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 of pure stardom and the rug gets pulled out from under you with with no with no real sense of of, of why no rhyme or reason. Uh, and I'm, I'm feeling that happening again here as I'm trying to save this guy. And so I'm I'm upset. I'm furious. I'm angry. OK, excellent. And so uh, Billy Wallace will not be thwarted by fate today and so you're gonna re-roll all those failed dice that's all six dice all right here comes the angry roll 
That is two successes. Two successes. This is awesome. Rage is a proper motivator. This yeah. is awesome. You don't so, like um, him when he's angry. When no. uh, when you investigate and you gain extra successes, you're able to ask a series of questions. So essentially, the question you're trying to ask is, uh, how can you move this thing? Like, how is it vulnerable to you? How can you extract this man from the wreckage? Yeah. How can I get this guy out of here? He needs my help. Okay, you can uh, see pretty easy as you're taking a look at all this this massive piece of the fuselage that's got him trapped. You're not strong enough to move it, but quite fortunately for you, there's a whole series of branches that have broken and fallen out of this tree. And as you as you survey the scene around you, you see one long, heavy branch that you're pretty confident you can wedge down in there and use as a lever because uh, Billy knows science. And so you, you can leverage <laughs> this thing probably and get it up over him. All right. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to just grab that branch and I'm going to, uh, much like, uh, with the force of a trebuchet slamming down upon a glass door, hopefully a little more successfully than that operation. Yeah. You're already Uh, angry. So I don't know exactly. You might outdo John Locke's. I did everything you asked me to do. Rodney, don't tell me what I can't do. (laughs) All right. I'm going to, I'm going to use this branch for leverage and hope it works. Okay. So you, you grab up this big, uh, heavy long piece of wood it's about 12 feet tall and you begin to like wedge it down in and it's at this moment that that uh this guy with this shaggy white hair this this long thin lanky fellow like kind of opens his eyes blinking at you for a moment like oh and uh you you lean back twerking using the whole weight of your body your fury coursing through every muscle that you have uh the sheer frustration that that uh that that you would be thwarted in this moment overwhelming you and so the the rubble kind of begins to move and this piece of the fuselage lifts and it lifts higher and just another inch and you and it falls over uh freeing this man up you're able to easily then go in and kind of move the the seat and the other pieces of branches that are broken down over him and begin to like pull this man up out uh so he's freed Though he's, he seems to be waning in consciousness. He's ebbing in and out. His eyes are open. He's not really uh, making any any legible language with you. What are you going to do? Hey, man, stay awake. Stay with me. Stay with me. Uh, what's your name? Do you have a name? Can, can, can you tell me your name, sir? Uh, he blinks. He, like, blinks a few times. And he, 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 like, scans very slowly around. And his left arm, like, reaches up. And kind of, kind of just grabs you on the bicep, holds you for a moment, and his face turns, taking you in. These, these rich, deep brown eyes, blood smeared on his face, tears kind of, kind of welling in his eyes. And he says, uh, he says, Kevin, my name's Kevin. Thank you. All right, Kevin, my name's Billy. Billy Wallace. You may have heard of me. It's it's not it's not a big deal if you have or haven't. Uh, though I am a little bit of uh, I'm a little bit of a big deal right now. We were in the middle of a very big deal, Kevin. Uh, our, the plane we're on, we we, we crashed. Do you remember the crash? Do you remember anything? <sighs> I, I was I was on a plane. Yeah, it was, it was Sydney, Sydney, we, Sydney. That's right. Yes, we crashed. He's like looking around now and he goes to try to kind of stand himself up, but he stumbles badly falling to the ground. It's clear uh, he's not going to be able to move himself without assistance. And um, and and he kind of like turns looking back up from you now from this position on the ground like. Um, I don't remember there was there was a crack behind us. I remember wind. And 
the turbulence uh, pieces. There's pieces everywhere. There's pieces everywhere, Kevin. There was so much turbulence. Uh, people, people, people threw up. There was, there was, there was barfing. There was scary, scary barfing. And there's, there's death. There's, there are people who are dead out on the beach, and they, they probably need our help. Can, can you pull yourself together? Do you need me to help you get out there? We need to, we, we need to be brave here, Kevin. We need to save these people's lives, Kevin. This is our moment. This is our destiny. Uh, he, he's kind of like nodding his head as you're going along and kind of ramping in momentum. And he, and nice. he says, yes, get ramped, get ramped, get hyped, Kevin. Feel it, Kevin. I, I, I can try. I can try. Um, I'm a police officer. And he, and he grabs now the trunk of the tree and he kind of pulls himself up to his feet. But it's very clear to you, Billy, like this man is not going to be able to walk himself back to the beach. His leg is like pretty badly injured. You can see blood has soaked his left pant leg. So it's kind of matted to him. Uh, he's Grab the wheelchair, Billy. <laughs> I, you know what? I did see a wheelchair <laughs> back at the beach in one very specific shot. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. There's one very. There was one very specific corner of the beach that I swear I could have seen a wheelchair at. <laughs> if you could just hang here for a second, I'm a pretty fast runner. I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna run. I'm gonna grab that wheelchair for you, Kevin. Would that help? Yeah, he he just is like nodding at you, breathing heavily, right? And he kind of like leans over a little bit, and he's like, "I'll be all right." I'll be right. Thank you, Billy. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to run back to the beach in pursuit of this wheelchair to bring back to my new friend, Kevin. Any misadventures along the way or is this a clean fetch quest? Um, as you, as you come running out onto the beach, there's, there's definitively like chaos everywhere. Uh, and so, you know, there, there's the, the, the engine is exploded. People are, are dragging each other further up. You see a couple of people already beginning to like grab bags and starting to like root through some of the luggage. And, um, it's at this moment, you remember Billy, what you were carrying on the plane, the bag that you checked had something very precious in it something really important to you. And uh, it occurs to you that you see some bags beginning to get like swept up by the, by the tide as the waves lap up, you can see a couple of these suitcases starting to float out into the water. So you, I think it occurs to you, you have this moment, you can go looking for the wheelchair or you could look for your bag. Oh my God. Ooh. Well, the thing, the thing that I brought with me, I, I, I went through so much to get it. It, it represents so much of 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 the failure that has been foisted foisted upon me in the last uh, the last several years of my life and my possession of it represents me reclaiming my own destiny and now more than ever uh to to have this item back in my possession perhaps people would take me seriously as as a leader of men but but kevin needs my help Mm. And I promised him the wheelchair. Uh, I I gotta hope that the bag is gonna turn up. I gotta go get the wheelchair for Kevin. I need to I need to ingratiate myself with these people. Amazing. The bag will always be out there waiting for me. I hope. <laughs> and if not, if not, then I have made a terrible, terrible mistake. <laughs> Amazing. It's so. Uh, yes, Billy. You see the wheelchair sitting on its side by the side of the plane, and you begin like racing over towards it. Uh, Rodney. I, I think that you uh, you've been on the beach. Sarah has has begun to 
wander off to try to help somebody. She's sitting with somebody on the ground who looks injured. It looks like she's beginning to like tie a bandage around a, a cut that they have on their arm. Uh, and, and I think you see Billy come like charging out of the jungle and stop for a moment. His, uh, his sleeve tied over half his face, like some jungle version of the phantom. Uh, what do you want to do, Rodney? Uh, you know what? I'm going to catch up with him. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see exactly because I'm assuming if we heard that scream coming from somewhere, I think he wants to check up on things. So I think he's going to, you know, he's going to run to Billy. I think the fact that Billy's uh, eyesight might be a bit compromised here means that they nearly collide. Uh, and I think he's going to try to, like, stop the clearly, like, very pumped Billy almost, you know, uh, exceedingly so. It's clear that he's riding this adrenaline high and has been for quite some time. Uh, and he's just out of breath. And uh, Rodney's just going to, like, stop, like, whoa, okay, uh, Willie, I think was your name. Uh, what What's going on? Is everything okay? It's Billy! Billy Wallace! I'm a very important person! Oh. You've seen me! Oh, forget it. Uh, don't even worry about it. Yeah, there's a guy in the jungle. He's a cop. Kevin. There's a cop named Kevin in the jungle, and his leg's all busted up, and... Uh, I saw this wheelchair before and I thought maybe he could use it. I, but I, I'm, I'm a little tweaked up right now. And I'm just kind of, I don't know. Wait, maybe could you take the wheelchair to Kevin? Because I got some stuff to take care of on the beach, maybe. Stuff, stuff to take care of? This is not a grocery list, man. This is a freaking disaster. Did I say that part out loud? That was supposed to be my interior <laughs> monologue. Forget that I said that. Kevin's Listen, in the jungle. Dude, happens, to, happens to all of us, okay? Inside and outside, it's like a clear glass door, which I have walked into a fair number of times, right? I don't care about the glass door. Can you help this guy or not? Or do you need me to show him where, show you where he is? I got it, man. Listen, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to, I'm here to, to help him. Where, where was he in the jungle? He's like, uh, he's just a, a few. Oh God, fine. I'll just show you. I'll just show you. Come on. Let, let's um, go. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sit Billy down in the wheelchair and we we'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll direct you in the right direction. Drive me to Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that, uh, as Rodney likes, like, uh, uh, shoves Billy down into the wheelchair and begins like racing across the beach. The sand's not going to slow him down. Uh, he, he's pushes, <laughs> begins pushing the wheelchair up into the jungle, shoving it over, uh, branches and, and, and beginning to like climb up the hillside towards where the way Kevin is kind of following what looks like some kind of animal trail maybe it occurs to you Rodney as you're shoving and um, suddenly th this figure kind of steps out into the pathway in front of you it's this very large uh, imposing figure he's a, he's a black man with cornrows in his hair and he's kind of standing there with this like lazy eye and he's holding a woman in his arms um, who looks badly hurt and and he's just like interceded in the in the path, completely stopped you guys as you're going. Uh and he just is is looking at you like uh, Are you alright? Am I alright? You two look alright. Are you alright? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're okay. Uh, it seems like you're not. Is she He looks down at her and then he looks back at you all and he and he smiles for a moment and he just says, uh there's surely nothing other than the single purpose of the present moment. A man's whole life is a succession of moment after moment. If one fully understands the present moment, there will be nothing else to do and nothing to pursue. 
And then I think he just like begins to walk past you towards the beach with this woman in his arms. Okay, I think I, I lost him at like the third word, but I'm pretty sure he's not okay. Uh, <laughs> it was very weird that man who just emerged from the forest. Uh, was he? A, do, do you recognize him from the plane? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, that was that was all very unnerving. Uh, let's process that later. Let's let's go find Kevin. That was very strange. <laughs> all right, to Kevin. Uh, okay, so, so you guys uh, begin pushing down the trail. Like, you glance behind you and you can see this fellow walking with, like, this calm, steady determination. He's in no rush as he calmly carries this wounded woman towards the beach. Uh, but you two push on frantically. Uh, Rodney shoving this wheelchair along the path as, as Billy, you have this bumpy, tumultuous ride emerging out into the clearing at which point um, you, you guys see Kevin is like walking towards you kind of slowly, but he seems much more steady on his feet than he did when you left him, Rodney. And, and uh, I'm sorry, Billy. And he, he looks over at you like, Oh hell, I, I don't think I'm that bad off. He sees the wheelchair. Well, why didn't you tell me that? I could have. Uh, I'm going I'm to, I'm going to look down at Billy and I'm going to sort of like shake the wheelchair to like almost prop him out of it. Ah, uh, yeah. Now I'm. I was in the middle of a thought. Now I. Uh, now I'm eating dirt, and I'm feeling highly disrespected at this moment in time. And uh, that swelling with all of the trauma of what's going on with the crash of Oceanic Eight Fifteen. Uh, my my anger levels are surging through the <laughs> roof right now. And so I think, like Kevin walking over to the two of you, um, he's just like, "You saved my life, there, kid." Really, I, I'll never be able to repay you. Uh, he says thank you. I think he's sort of in another uh, place right now. You you can walk, though. You're fine. Your leg looks pretty banged up. You want me to take a look at it? He, you get, you look down and you see the blood like saturated his, his pant leg. And he, he just kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's feeling a bit better than it was, but Sure. What, what are you, a doctor or something? Uh, something. And I think that's going to trigger Rodney's first flashback. Okay, awesome. Uh, so take us to it, Rodney. In this, this game, the players can trigger flashback scenes. I have no idea where we're going, or where we're going to find ourselves, or who we're going to find there. So to that end, Mike, where do we see Rodney Sisto? We are in Vanuatu on a remote <laughs> island. Rodney, we see a, a Rodney Sesto looking a bit more bedraggled. He's got a little bit of a, of a five o'clock shadow on his face. Uh, we get a, a wide view of a rudimentary camp set up on a beachside, uh, beachside beach, uh, on, on a beach, as we see uh, Rodney holding, uh, you know, a, a blue piece of fabric in his hand. Uh, as he wraps it around his forehead, he's gathered around with about five different people, men and women alike. And on the ground is a guy. Uh, his name is actually Guy. And his leg is in a little bit of a sticky situation. Guy has uh, wandered through the jungle looking for some rudimentary supplies and has uh, unfortunately stumbled a bit and uh, got a nasty puncture on his leg. And Rodney is surrounded by a, a few other people. And if you look on a tree in the distance, you'll see two hash marks 
carved into it with what looks like uh, a, a, a machete. And we cut now to Rodney walking into the inner circle and asking, OK, uh, what what's going on here? And I think uh, we see like out of this group of people, what are there, six people, eight, we said? Yeah, we'll uh, say eight. So, so I think these other eight folks, men and women, <laughs> and old and young, they kind of like look around at each other and they're just like, um, oh, nothing. We're just trying to decide where where we should uh, go look for coconuts next. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of like eyes to the ground and, and it's very kind of clear to us as we see this, people are avoiding making eye contact with Rodney. They don't really want to look him in the eye. So Rodney sort of uh, decides to, you know, step into the quite literally the middle of the circle. And he decides to sort of like, as he's speaking now, he swirls around to take a look at everybody, even poor guy who's on the ground, just like his leg bleeding a little bit. Like, well, I think it's pretty clear. Look, we have scoured the island at this point. The fact of the matter is, I don't know how full of energy we're going to be before this immunity challenge. If we keep spending time looking for coconuts, look, the fact of the matter is, I'm a guy who knows his way around stamina, given his background. Endurance is going to be the biggest thing we need to beat the Kakula tribe. So I think, <laughs> as Moso, we're going to just chill for the day. I think if we rest up, maybe get to know one another, we're going to, we'll find coconuts eventually. But I think for now, if we just all hang out, get to know one another, maybe rest that leg, huh, guy, then. I think we'll have some time and not need to worry about, you know, having seven people to feed instead of eight. You get what I'm saying? Oi, I don't know who you think you are, but you don't tell me what I can't do. I'm hungry. I want to go find a coconut. I'm going to go find a goddamn coconut. You hear me? All right, guy, this is what got you into that bloody leg in the first place. Okay, it's clear your path isn't working. Look, I just I just say that we we try it out. You know, I, I think that we make sure the coconuts are going to come. OK, they fall out of trees, right? Gravity says a couple are going to fall down at some point. I think if we just wait it out, our bodies have got some nice fuel in the tank right now. Let's let that car sit in park instead of driving down the highway looking for the next rest stop. You know what I mean? And I think the guy kind of looks at the others like, I don't know who this who this bloke thinks he is, but. I've had about enough of him telling me what's what. I want to eat. I'm going to eat. We've been here two days. We're eating all the coconuts on the beach. I'm, I'm going back out there as soon as I get a little water. All right. Look, I know. OK, I'm, a, I'm an American here, right? Amongst all you Australians. I know that. Oh, <laughs> here comes the big Yankee. Yankee doodle dandy. Went to town, had a pony, all that jazz. But the fact of the matter is. Look, you're you're going to need me out here. We're all going to need each other. I'm just offering my opinion. If you want to follow Guy, who only has one leg to stand on at this point and look for coconuts, go ahead. But the fact of the matter is, we've got something big coming up. And if we divert our focus to something different, we're going to get distracted. Come on. Who's with old Rod? Come on. Uh, and I think that there's like this moment where like of the eight people, a couple of them are like, uh, yeah, that that sounds great, Rodney. Uh, I, I, you're definitely right. Why don't you go start gathering some firewood so we can boil a little more water and uh, we'll we'll stay here and rest and conserve our strength for the challenge. 
that's an that's an amazing idea. You know, I, I got a little bit of extra energy to me. So why don't I run back there? I'll be back. Lickety split. Uh, not just going to say a little bit. I did run varsity track in high school. Uh, almost set the all-state record. Almost. Just a smidge. My shoelace was untied. But that'll be a great story for when we get to know each other. Huh? All right. Imogen, you got the camp. I'm off. And he's going to just <laughs> take off into the jungle. And so I think as he, uh, as, as Rodney like targets hiding from the jungle, we see these other people all kind of like looking at each other. And, uh, and the fellow, the floor guy there is like, uh, we got to get rid of him as soon as possible. Right. I, I don't want to hear this goddamn story. Fucking Americans. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we cut back to the beach. He says, yeah, listen, uh, I'll said, I, if we're bragging around here, I just came back from a little bit of an, a pretty successful island expedition myself. So I, I know a, a way or two around leg injuries, as long as you're not going to be too ornery about it. But based on your accent, I don't think I'm going to have a problem. Uh, and so Kevin, as he, uh, as he's standing there with you, he's like, I feel uh, like we should do a whoosh yeah. to signify that we are out of the flashback. We should do a whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Kevin, like acknowledging uh, the, the, uh, intensity of Rodney as he conveys this this confident way, like, no, I can take care of this. He's like, well, all right, pal, and and he sits himself down in the wheelchair and begins to uh, like tear at the leg of his pant, right? And and so Rodney, I, I imagine, like, you get down next to him and like rip the pant leg up so you can get a look, and you, and you can see he's got a pretty sizable uh, like slash wound on on his upper thigh, but. Because of your flashback scene and your experience uh, with first aid, having having dealt with it in Vanuatu for old guy not that long ago, uh, you can have an automatic success and you're able to pretty successfully bandage up Kevin's wound as he uh, sits here in the wheelchair getting wrapped up. Uh, and as this happens, I'll sort of uh, give a glance to Billy as well and see exactly what his status is, considering he seems like he's about to pop off. All right. Well, I am obviously furious uh, and I, I'm really doing my best to repress those feelings because I, I'm realizing I'm starting to lose the plot a little bit. Uh, you know, my whole thing here is uh, that that I that I'm, I'm feeling this incredible momentum behind the moment. It's impossible to ignore. Uh, I have just been I'm, I'm just back from this uh, this really like bittersweet trip already and and now crashing into Basically, like I'm in the middle of an action movie. It's like you can't write this stuff only that you can. And I will when I get off this freaking island. Um, but I, I, I feel like the anger is just rising to such levels that I'm having a hard time controlling it. So I'm trying to do some 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 breathing exercises, trying to try to ground myself a little bit. So I can be a little bit more of a calmer presence as Rodney is basically swooping in and stealing all my cool <laughs> points with Kevin. And I just need to compose myself so that I can be at least, of, if not of use to Kevin, then at least somebody that he is going to, uh, he's still going to feel like he can rely on and remember from this incident. Excellent. Billy, can I have you make a wits roll right here? Uh, it's going to be your it. wits plus mine. That's six dice all together. All right. Let's see. I have one success. One success. Excellent. Billy, uh, your, your preternatural reflexes kick in as, as you are the first one to hear the like slight shift above you and a branch just ever so slightly begins to crack. 
that like soft and you glance up um, before your 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 new friend Rodney or this man Kevin whom you saved have even any idea this is happening and you see a huge piece of the fuselage beginning to slide it's about to fall and crush all three of you what are you going to do I'm going to go, guys, move. We got to go, go, go. Look, this is the thing that's above us. We're going to go. And then I'm going to dive and I'm going to grab Kevin, who is uh, who is uh, on, on Rodney's proverbial operating table. And I'm going to I'm going to sweep him off his feet and I'm going to move away from the falling wreckage. And I'm hoping that the, the verbal warning will be enough for Rodney to be able to take care of this on his own. Rodney, spring into action. Uh, I mean, I guess I think he might be taking a little off kilter just because Billy is babbling at this point. And I think it takes especially Rodney maybe a few seconds longer to exactly comprehend what he's saying. So there, I think, you know, he might, uh, he might get hit by something, but suffice it to say, I think his physicality is able to uh, brush off certainly what might be coming. Okay, great. So Billy, you dive in like leaping past Rodney, you grab old Kevin and and you jump out of the way, pulling the two of you clear of the wreckage. But Rodney, it takes you a moment longer to react to what's happening. And as your eyes like suddenly like shift from following this blur of movement up above you as now the definitive cracking of branches has emerged and this piece of metal, this huge section of the side of the fuselage begins to cartwheel down towards you. I'm going to have you make a move roll. Okay. It's going to be your move plus your body. So that's five. That is one success. One success. Excellent. And thus, as uh, the shrapnel falls and Billy, you're kind of like laying on the ground, having dove to the side with Kevin, pulling him clear of this wreckage. You see the whole side of it as as this huge piece of metal cartwheeling down branches around it, pieces falling all around Rodney as he suddenly springs into motion, diving in the opposite direction of you. And there's this loud, like thudding crash as uh, as dust and sand is kicked up and some shrapnel rattles off your boots at your feet. Um, then the dust settles into quiet and you realize it's as quiet as it's been since all of this has happened. The screaming of the engines on the beach have ceased <clears throat> as they have detonated. A lot of the initial cacophony of panic and shouts of help have died off. And um, yeah, I think we hear like the sounds of the jungle around us. Man, it's oh, this has been quite the day, guys. Uh, hey, uh, time, uh, Bobby. I really appreciate that. Uh, that heads up. You okay now, <laughs> Billy? But yes, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Kevin, how are you doing? You safe? <sighs> you feel secure in my warm embrace? Kevin, um, Kevin, like holding you, turns your face is awkwardly close, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, that's twice. I won't forget it, Billy. Yes. Uh, yes. And in my, and, and I'm realizing that I'm saying that part out loud. So I, so, so I, so I then have to just be like, yeah, yes, yes. I won't forget it either. Kevin, uh, you're, you're my new best friend out here. Uh, and we're going to, whatever happens next, Kevin, we're going to be very big parts of e, each other's lives. And maybe this Rodney fella as well, but you and me, definitely, we're going to be real tight. He kind of nods at you looking over at Rodney and then he looks back and, and he's looking at you for a moment. And then he's like, uh, Okay, you can let go of me now. It's it's getting a little weird. And so, yeah, I guess the three of you now all get to your feet. Uh, and, and you, you're pretty tired. You're pretty worn out. You're overwhelmed. But where do you even begin? I guess as the three of you make your way out back onto the beach, Kevin, Kevin alongside you too, um, you see a couple of familiar faces. You, you can see, uh, Sarah and her striped shirt out there beginning to, to mill around. Um, 
the the big guy with the cornrows is sitting quietly down by the water, pensive. Uh, you could see the kid who'd been looking for the pens standing over near somebody who seems to be giving medical attention to somebody else. Uh, what do you guys want to do? I'm well, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna sidle up to Sarah's stripes unless Billy wants to do something with the three of us. Uh, no, go up to Sarah's stripes. I think I've had enough Rodney in my life for the last couple of minutes, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, so as you as you head over to Sarah's stripes, you can see she's sitting with this um, this fellow on the ground. He's actually very handsome. He's got just a little bit of a goatee. This kind of this this rich black hair and um, this dark kind of Mediterranean complexion almost. And she's like, uh, "Oh, Rodney, Rodney, I, I'm so glad you're all right. Uh, th- this is Paolo." And and so the fellow <laughs> on the crowd kind of turns and looks at you like, hello. Uh, and I sort of like, I think some, a little twinge hits Rodney and he just sort of like nods back to him. Uh, and he looks back at Sarah like, were you, were you able to, to help anything? I don't know how much uh, thrift stuff you were able to take care of. But were you able to sell something at least? This is Rodney's attempt at a joke, by the way. <laughs> um, which she totally is like awkwardly receiving as she looks at you like, uh, well, well, no, I, I uh, well, I, I helped that, that lady over there. That's, uh, Paolo's girlfriend, I guess her name's Nikki. And she points and you could see her, uh, with sort of this portly, uh, heavy set fellow that are, they're over near the beach. And she seems to like be, uh, frantically like racing from one piece of luggage to another, um, kind of discarding them as as she, they're not what she's looking for, clearly. But Sarah's just like, um, I saw you all running into the jungle there with that wheelchair. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was helping a guy find his boyfriend who was uh, in a pair of seats or something. It, it turns out his legs all weird, but I think he's OK now. Uh, is everything OK here down by the beach? It got real quiet when it was real noisy before. Well, things seem to be settling down a little bit. There's a there's a doctor over there, uh, and oh my word, heavens to Betsy, there's there's a young pregnant woman here, and and I, I can't even imagine being in her shoes right now. But um, but but folks seem to be settling in a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not really sure where to start, to be honest with you, Rodney. I I could really, I could use a little bit of guidance. Well, um. Happy to do it. And he sort of like sneaks a look to Paolo before he uh, starts, you know, espousing here. All right. um, Kind of stands up brushing the sand off his pants and he he just like nods very suavely at uh, at Sarah like, thank you. And uh, and like gives you the like nod of like affirmation, you know, alpha bro to alpha bro. And uh, he turns and kind of wanders over towards uh, what seems like his girlfriend running across the beach looking at suitcases. All right, so the first thing we need to do, obviously, uh, the doctor's taking care of stuff. I think we're going to need to gather as many supplies as possible. Now, we're looking at rudimentary survival supplies. So we're looking at non-perishable items. I'm thinking about Twinkies. I'm thinking about Hostess Cupcakes. I'm thinking about Ding Dongs. I'm thinking about Malamars. You want to go for all those sugary things. Because let's face it, uh, sugar is really going to help us keep our energy up while we go help everybody. So that's probably the first thing we're going to want taken care of. In the meantime, you're going to want to look for water. Here's a here's a Rodney tip. Don't drink <laughs> seawater. That's not, <laughs> from life experience. Not a good thing to do. Contrary to popular belief. So if we look for snacks and water, I think that's going to be a good first step to getting people together and, and boost their moods a little bit. How do you feel about that, Sarah? 
She's like, okay, that's, that's great. That's exactly what I needed. I, I, I'll be honest, Rodney, I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, if it weren't for you, I would have drowned out there in that ocean. I, I owe you everything at this point. So, uh, I'll, I'll start going through some things and see if we can't gather anything. Uh, I'll bring it back over that way. And she gestures over like towards the tree line. She's like, and I'll start letting all the others know what you told me. I'll make sure none of them are drinking seawater. <laughs> that's, yep. That's our first primary thing. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, thank you. By the way, looking good in stripes. Oh, this old thing. Well, yeah, she blushes a little bit. Like, I, I don't know if it's the most appropriate piece of attire to, to, <laughs> To reconcile myself after a plane crash, but but gosh, it does look good with these jeans. Uh, it really does. Listen, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind if you kept that on for the next eight, nine, maybe even ten days. Well, I don't know how many options I'm going to have out here, so you <laughs> might just get your wish, Rodney. And Rodney sort of chuckles, like, "Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't even know. Do you know where the heck we are? I blacked out as soon as uh, we put those oxygen masks on. I'm not a very good flyer. All of a sudden, I." Woke up here with a big-ass gash across my chest. She uh, shakes her head a little bit. She's like, I'm from Georgia, and I, well, I moved to L.A. I, I thought I might make it as an actress, but that didn't such work out. I ended up with the thrift store, and I'll be honest, I, I get lost driving to the gas station, Rodney. I, I, I have no idea. Well, listen, I, you don't need to worry. We're simpatico here. I, I'm a little bit of a, of a, of a leading actor myself in a manner of speaking and i know how tough it is i've done i've done a few dirty jobs once or twice in my life i should say and i think actually at this point we hear from the background uh, like <laughs> and the camera kind of pans and and we see um this tall buff jack dude with some kind of greasy blonde hair and a long sleeve shirt on under his t-shirt nerd and uh, he he just kind of <laughs> mutters under his breath he's walking past you guys and he's carrying f- three suitcases at a time and he he just kind of mutters at Rodney's expression like oh i sure know you have don juan <laughs> he said, <laughs> he definitely would know Rodney's backstory. You want, you want to say that a little louder, valet? What's that, Beachbody? <laughs> all right, we can keep trading nicknames back and forth all day, but clearly you got some uh, stuff to look through. And I, and I gesticulate towards uh, one like, you know, pink princess like suitcase that's clearly a tiny little girl's. And he's like, you get back to your dolls and maybe we can uh, catch up down the line, huh? Son of a bitch. <laughs> just kind of like shaking his head, turns and walks off away from you. <laughs> the just disgust, just dripping in his eyes, you know. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, so then, you know, Ronnie's going to sort of, uh, I guess, affirm his marching orders to Sarah. Uh, and then he'll probably end up uh, charging down the beach to see what else needs to be taken care of. Okay, she's like, I'm going to go find all those Twinkies I can, Rodney. I- I'm going to stash them right over there for you. I won't share none of them with anyone else, but I- I'll do the best I can. I-, I hope you don't mind if I stick close by you. It's going to get Sarah, dark soon. Wouldn't mind that at all. I do give off a naturally warm energy. and <laughs> that specific to body heat as well. <laughs> all right. Uh, and so I think like she turns and begins sort of gathering up luggage. Uh, Billy, where, where have we seen you in the midst of this? 
All right. So Billy, uh, he's he's been refining the bandage around his head and still kind of just like looking at the water uh, and his reflection in the water as a gauge. And he's got it. So it's like this nice, really badass strip of bandage around his face where he looked he felt like he looked cool before. But now he feels like this is a look that he will be happy to rock for. However, you know, I think the next like 48 hours, he figures at most that they're going to be stuck here on this island. And since he's now at the water's edge, he's looking around. He's like, all right, I've got a moment to myself. Kevin's off to the doctor. He's going to get looked at. And I am going to have a moment to, to just like maybe peruse around some of the wreckage and see if I can find my, my thing. And there, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot here to go through. There's, there's all sorts of bags. There's duffel bags. There's rolling suitcases. One person, I, I can even see it in the sun there's a there's a basket that is just uh sitting at the edge of the beach this basket and the sun and billy thinks it's very very curious and josh wiggler thinks it's very very delicious because it reminds him of sun basket nice, our nice friends segue. Who are helping us out here on the Lost RPG on Down the Hatch, a real life flash sideways to reality to talk to you about Sun Basket because, guys, no matter what you like to eat, Sun Basket makes it easy. They've got paleo, carb conscious, gluten free, Mediterranean, diabetes friendly, and vegan meal plans. Whatever you're into, choose from 18 weekly recipes, everything you need to eat clean and healthy. Sun Basket's going to send you organic produce and clean ingredients right to your door to create your own dishes from their recipes such as shrimp pad thai with rice noodles and sugar snap peas or Hawaiian locomoco with teriyaki chicken and fried eggs. And if you're hungry for boars, you can get the Mediterranean <laughs> pork chops with Brussels sprouts and lemon vinaigrette. And right now, Sunbasket has a special promotion for post-show recaps listeners for up to $60 off. That's $30 off your first two deliveries, which is a pretty great deal if it means putting meal planning on autopilot. And autopilot may have been a better outcome than and the, the, what happened for the survivors of Oceanic 815, who are sadly not benefiting from Sun Basket at the moment, but you can benefit from Sun Basket. It makes it easy and convenient to cook healthy, delicious meals at home, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Everything is pre-measured and easy to prep. You can get a healthy and delicious meal on the table in as little as 15 minutes. So put meal planning on autopilot with this special offer. Go to sunbasket.com com slash post to get up to sixty dollars off that's sunbasket.com slash post to learn more about this limited time sixty dollar off special and then we flash back to the to the universe in which the lost rpg is taking place and billy wallace kind of like shakes his head as if like He's just heard whispers from a different world talking about Sunbasket, which is uh completely over his head. But then he looks and he sees he sees his bag and his bag is in somebody else's hands and he looks and he sees that the person who has his bag is sitting on a rock by the beach and is staring directly at him and it is the man with the cornrows from earlier <gasps> uh and so yeah i think that he gives you this small nod of acknowledgement, um, his one lazy eye kind of uh, closing with the other one as he like smiles at you, lifting his head back up from the nod. Um, I'm a little 
I'm a little intimidated because I know what's in the bag. And I don't know that I love somebody else having my bag. As and I don't. As, don't feel great about any of this. As you're standing there, like considering the moment, he just looks over at you and, and he stands holding the bag in his hands. And he just says, in the words of the ancients, one should make his decisions within the space of seven breaths. It's a matter of being determined and having the spirit to break through to the other side. What? <laughs> The space of seven breaths. That feels like that feels like something I've seen in a movie before. Huh. Um all right, sir, that's weird, but you're kinda holding my bag. Do you think I could just have that? He like steps forward once very slowly, twice, three steps, closing the distance between you. And he's now like standing like chest to chest with you. The only real distance between you is the width of your bag. He's sizing you up. It's his like one good eye connecting with yours. And he just kind of like nods like, of course, and just hands you the bag. That Thanks, dude. Uh, Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And like, he's kind of like slamming the bag into my chest in sort of like this, like we're tight kind of way. Like you mm-hmm. and I are going to be friends where our destinies are, are linked. And he sees me for how I see myself. Uh, and I, I kind of get this sense that I'm, I'm communing with somebody who's going to be very important to my life. And so I say, uh, I'm, I'm Billy. Billy Wallace. I don't know if you've heard of me, but uh, uh, but that's my name. What, what's your name? Oh, I remember you, Billy. You you do? He just nods once, smiling softly. Of course I do. Of course I do. Oh my God! And and in Billy's mind, he's he's wondering if they've had an altercation in the past, or if finally, finally. He has found somebody who has seen the fourth force. (laughs) (laughs) At which point we should probably trigger a flashback. Uh, So flashback to a much younger Billy. This is uh, getting close to, to roughly 20 years earlier. Billy's a kid and we open on an eye and it's the it's it's a perfectly intact human eye and as we pull out we see that billy has two eyes and he is he's lying in bed with his sheets pulled all the way up to his to his chest uh and he's he's frightened he's shaking his hands are cold and clammy and there's a man in the room with him with a receding hairline and a, and despite maybe being a little bit physically cold of a presence, there is a warmth to this man, uh, an empathetic quality to this guy who is, who is soothing to Billy in many ways. And they are talking about all of the existential fears and dreads that have been swirling through Billy's mind and his brain and his life for the last few weeks, which have called upon the services of this man. And with a great effort, Billy is about to explain to the man 
this terrible thing that he that he has this power what the fourth force is <laughs> and he's about to say i see dead people oh my God. but then the director calls cut no that's the other movie that's, <laughs> that's not this one that's you've got the oh my god and i and billy realized oh god i knew i shouldn't have watched the sixth sense to prepare for this role i knew that i should have just like compartmentalized that and not and not watch that before because now i'm getting the lines mixed up and then this movie really is very close to that one and oh god and so uh, me as billy as as billy wallace I, I i angrily throw myself out of bed this adorable cherubic kid uh as the as the director is calling after me and my mother is now going to chastise the director and say, I told you he needed a nap. He was not <laughs> ready to act today. There are labor laws about this as Billy is going to saunter off and go back to his ritzed out trailer uh, that is super pimped up and so much cooler than all the other trailers of anybody else on the set. Because this is Billy Wallace's child star. This is a multi-million dollar franchise we're talking about here. And he's just the king of the world right now. It's like 1990. <laughs> I guess it would be 1998. It's like 1980 something. And uh, life is going great for Billy Wallace at this point in time. Uh, I think that, that during the the walk that Billy takes, like from the set back to his trailer, we see like, you know, him walk past and this kind of like long, like backstage in the, in the studio area, this curtains hanging all over the place and pieces of like props and set dressing. But I think that the camera, like as Billy walks through the scene, the camera begins to like focus in back into the darkness. And we just see like uh, the, the massive, like kind of silhouette of Forrest Whitaker, like stepping out of the shadows, like <laughs> nod with like simple ascension, you know, and, and he turns and like walks in the other direction away from the trailer as as billy makes his way out there okay so i think we could flash back to the island now. was that good yeah. was that right uh, yeah, that's perfect and, when billy, <laughs> and billy feels like he finally feels like somebody knows him from from his past and and finally recognizes him for the star that inside he knows he truly is and so as far as stands there with you while we've returned to the island you're holding your bag now he says in the days to come try to remember it is a good viewpoint to see the world as a dream. When you have something like a nightmare, you will wake up and tell yourself that it was only a dream. It is said that the world we live in is not a bit different from this. And then he just simply like turns and walks away. All right. And Billy has definitely hung out with people who are like way high before. So like, <laughs> this, isn't that, this isn't that weird to him anymore. And he's just still so tickled that somebody knows who he is and he he plops the bag down onto the ground and like in the excitement of all of this you know he he's a big packer he packs a lot of stuff uh so you know the heaviness of the bag is is clear but it hasn't yet dawned on him that maybe the bag is a little bit lighter than it ought to be uh but he sets the bag down he opens it up very eager to find the thing that he is so excited to find and it's not in the bag uh the one, the one thing, the one, the one thing that thing. he needs that represents so much of his struggle and triumph. It's missing. The one thing to rule them all. Um, 
<laughs> it's not there. It is not there at all, Billy. And so you're, uh, you can't help but reflect on, on Forrest, who just, uh, gave you the bag. Could it have been him after this connection that you had? Was it somebody else? Did somebody get there first? You know, uh, you know what you have to find now. It's out there somewhere. If, if only you can figure out where. Yeah. I'm, I'm considering this, uh, uh, a little bit of a future problem, uh, because I probably need to like, keep my chill. I've been having a lot of bursts of rage, so I'm doing more of my breathing. You know, this is uh, the, the training that I've undergone as an actor uh, to calm myself down in the past. And so I'm calming myself down because it, it's really go time and it seems like people are starting to mingle and I really need to start the mingling process if I'm going to ingratiate myself with the rest of these survivors. Yeah, well, night has come pretty quickly. You guys uh, crash later in the day, and I guess as the evening's setting on, you can see there's a number of uh, bonfires that have sprung up on the beach. People seem to have just transferred the fire from the wreckage, and and different groups are kind of gathering wood. Uh, the doctor seems to have a whole little entourage around him now. <laughs> and uh, clearly, there's there's a lot of activity and buzz and hubbub going on there. But as you make your way back to kind of where uh, your your central area was from all of this, this uh, place where you found Kevin and, and Sarah, you could see uh, the striped shirt girl going through bags on the beach. And, and you actually see uh, Kevin, old Kevin, kind of sitting in the wheelchair that's just over by the um, by the edge of the forest and and Nikki and Paolo kind of Whitaker or like the actual jungle. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the actual jungle. I will. Uh, <laughs> I will not transpose those again. Uh, yeah, he's just sitting like at the jungle line, right in the wheelchair, <clears throat> and he seems to be like going through a suitcase that he has open on his lap. But people are kind of gathering supplies and getting themselves together as this first night sinks in and uh, darkness is beginning to swallow up on us. Is there anything particular that you guys want to do as the evening sets on? I mean, I think Rodney has built a little bit of a fire for himself while Sarah is, you know, shuffling around. And I think that now he feels like he's accomplished as much as he needs to for the day. I think he's just sort of uh, sitting there ruminating when I'm assuming Billy's going to find him or he's going to find Billy at some point. Yeah, I think Billy, uh, you know, he, he has seen that Rodney has kind of drawn uh, drawn up a little bit of uh, like a, a very like lightly simmering, developing entourage of people. And Billy wants to get in on that. So begrudgingly, even though Rodney's going to be part of uh, some gathering forces, Billy is going to Billy's going to join them because why not? I guess they've got some mild light rapport at this point. Hey, uh. How was your day? Seems weird to ask, well, <laughs> but uh, I didn't see you after you left with Kevin. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was all right. All things considered. I mean, we're alive. This is crazy. Uh, I don't know what we're doing here uh, or how we how we managed to survive. I don't I don't know about you, but like I have like this part of me that like kind of just like blacked out when the turbulence hit. And I just remember like waking up on the beach and then uh, just like looking for looking for my eye and i guess that's how i how i found you yeah uh, but we don't have to we don't have to go back through that again that was uh bygones right you know like water under the bridge right rodney yeah water does go under bridges you're totally right about that <laughs> yeah I, I i blacked out as well i mean i'll admit uh my mind was totally elsewhere my mind was on another island so to speak 
But something's been on my mind. I've just been sitting here thinking, Fourth Force, right? <gasps> you know Fourth Force? Yeah, I, lo- I used to watch it all the time when I was sick. And, you know, I really had like, couldn't get any other movies. I didn't even have, you know, three bucks to, to rub together to rent a movie from Blockbuster or something. So I ended up just sort of finding a DVD that, you know, was sold on the side of uh, Santa, Santa Monica Pier and ended up being a DVD of the fourth force. So I've, uh, it's something I just put on whenever I want to have something on in the background. So man, you're like, you're just, you're in my mind right now. I, I didn't recognize, yes. I didn't recognize you until I, uh, cause I, I'm used to you having two eyes. If you don't mind me saying. No, I mean, obviously back then I had two eyes. Uh, we don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've read the, 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 the blogs and the news about what happened to me, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that yet. I feel like that's fodder for, <laughs> for a future, for a future flashback. Uh, that would be great when we can get to that. Uh, but man, holy crap. I can't believe it. Uh, I, I just thought that you were some, if I can be completely candid, I thought that you were just some like super hot airhead and kind of uh, a little bit of a homophobic a-hole. Uh, but like you obviously have great taste in in movies, sir. What is it that you do? I uh, I've done a little bit of acting myself. Nothing in the in the realm of you. But, uh, you know, I've, I've appeared in some stuff here and there. I was actually just appearing on a reality show where. You know what? If we're just if you're just bragging between people here, uh, I kicked ass, and I was I was on my little victory tour. Spent some time in AU. Was about to fly back to the states, and uh, here we are. So I, I mean, I, it's a little surprising to have another American out here. Well, well, how did you end up on the plane? Uh, and Billy, who when he hears that Rodney is also an actor, initially he's like again like kind of like Serenity now. And it's like, here's come, here comes somebody to steal my thing. And he's starting to feel a little twinge of jealousy. And then he hears, oh, reality TV. At least I haven't sunk that low yet. Uh, so he's feeling pretty good about that. Uh, and then, and then he, he, he thinks about the fact that, yeah, Rodney, this is, this is actually kind of weird. But, like, it feels like there's, like, one Australian person here. Yeah, like, right. It feels like everybody else has survived, like, maybe a Canadian uh in the mix but it feels like it's like a maybe a canadian uh like that girl with the freckles like seems like maybe canadian-esque i don't know if that's how they call themselves yeah i know uh, i mean I, I heard a couple people i don't know some people weren't speaking english down the beach but it definitely wasn't australian i don't know i know i'm, I'm a little thick but uh even yes. even i know what english is not but like a, a, a not a lot of australians here it's very odd I mean, Sarah pipes in and she's like, there are a handful of Southerners, though, which I think is just lovely. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sarah, this is. Billy, Billy Wallace, right now, I'm seeing your name on the DVD cover, man. It's all coming together. And Billy is starting to feel like maybe he's completely misjudged Rodney uh, this whole time because it's very clear to him now that Rodney is a cinephile. And this is maybe somebody who he's going to be able to get along with. Uh, and, you know, as uh, Sarah comes to sit down with them, uh, Rodney sort of admits like, look, it's a weird, freaky thing on top of a bunch of weird, freaky things. But frankly, uh, I'm, I'm a little happy to be away from Australians for just a little while. And as he looks into the fire, we take a flashback as the fire wipes out or pans out to reveal Another type of fire. 
a fire in a more ornate set, even though it's also in the middle of a jungle. It seems more organized. We have eight crates sitting on one side of the fire with one lone crate and a pedestal on the other side. And we see the Mosto tribe at their first tribal council. Suffice it to say, Rodney's big plan of resting up before the challenge uh, did not bear that much fruit because they were not looking <laughs> for much fruit. Uh, and as we see the eight people sitting there, Rodney has a big smile on his face. He believes that guy who just had a leg injury is definitely the first candidate to go. He rallied votes beforehand. Everyone seemed, even though they, they maybe seemed a bit unfocused, uh, didn't really look him in the eye when they were talking about votes before. Maybe it was just a challenge. You know, it was a, it was a disheartening loss, especially to someone like Rodney, who prides himself on his body. He feels confident as the host of the show, Ian Dicko Dixon, Walks in <laughs> with the Is voting. That that's his. Yes, that's actually him. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Old Dicko walks in with the urn as he starts to pull out the votes, and uh, he begins to read the votes. First vote, Rodney. What? Second vote, Rodney. Rodney's Third. shock just registers on his face. He expected maybe one vote from Guy, who had been shooting daggers at him the entire day, but two? Clearly, somebody's going to be in trouble when they all get back to camp. Uh, I think the guy next to you, like, smiles, like, this real big beaming smile, and, like, nods, pats you on the shoulder reassuringly, and we go back to Dicko. Third vote, Rodney. Fourth vote, Rodney. The fifth vote is for Rodney. And I think at this point, he kind of like shuffles through the rest of them, like kind of <laughs> flustered a little bit. He's like, yeah, it's unanimous. <laughs> wow, Dicko's oh. a bad host. <laughs> Rodney. And Rodney's face falls. This is the biggest disappointment he has experienced in quite some time. Uh, it almost hits him for a moment. Time stops. He looks at the fire. He looks around. How did this happen? He thought he had a handle on the game and suddenly that shock turns to fury as he reaches down and grabs his bag okay okay i see how it is yeah good luck winning guys and you know what you know what fine i i i i i spent months training to come out here learning all these survival tips just to just to live out here on an island but you know what it doesn't it doesn't matter because you know what i don't need the money. All right. That's that. Here's my big secret. Okay. Rodney Sisto, I don't need the money because I am the biggest damn adult film actor in Southern California. Okay. I've, I've made a living the past 10 years in every movie you can possibly imagine. Okay. The, the telltale hard on, uh, for whom the butt tolls. Okay. All the Edgar Allan Payne movies. All right. And so you might know me by a little name of Roddy Roundhouse. I came for the adventure. I came for the thrill of it all, but it's clear I'm dealing with some vipers. And before y'all poison me, I'm going to get the hell out of Dodge. Okay. You made a mistake. You made a mistake, and, and Rodney says this as he uh, he goes for his torch and starts to mutter to himself, bringing it over to Dicko. Uh, everybody is stunned by this kind of ranting diatribe, and I think Dicko like is is really on his heels, you know, and he's like, uh, uh, Rodney, uh, you've been the first contestant eliminated from Australian Survivor, 
And at this point, Rodney like turns and looks back at the tribe and, and we could see like three of the four guys are like blushing terribly red and they won't make eye contact with Rodney at all. It's clear that, uh, this was not news to them. They do not seem shocked and surprised, but, but one of them, I think, uh, as Rodney's torch is snuffed, uh, he kind of thumps his chest and puts his hands up in the air like, I love you, Roundhouse. <laughs> Keep up the good work. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, uh, and he, uh, he just sort of mouths like, yeah, you got it, Elton. And Rodney, in a fit of rage, kicks over his torch as he storms off into the jungle <laughs> as we get back to the beach. And so, uh, whoosh, as we find ourselves back on the beach. And I think we see um, this like portly fellow kind of walking over. There's a small camp that's like kind of con- con- uh, congregated around you guys now, right? There's the two of you and, and Kevin and Sarah sitting here, Nikki and Paolo, not that far away. Um, Forrest, not the jungle, but Forrest is sitting quietly a little down closer to the beach. But but I think that we see this fellow come over to you like uh, – Hey, uh, my name's, my name's, uh, Dr. Arst, Leslie, Leslie Arst. And, and he's clearly going towards Rodney to introduce himself. And he seems maybe a little flustered and perhaps a little starstruck. <laughs> oh, no, dear and, God. Uh, and I think just as this is happening, there's suddenly this terrible sound echoes out of the jungle. The, and the branches of the trees begin bending as the forest itself like comes alive and the horrible uh, raucous cacophony of terror that is the sound of some type of monster uh, proceeds to begin to like overwhelm the the quiet uh, serenity of of the, the beach in this your first evening and people begin to like panic immediately. I think Sarah like throws her arms around Rodney. Uh, Kevin is just like, what in the hell? Uh, and ours completely interrupted, like turning, like, is that a dinosaur? Um, <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it is. How do you guys react to this, this, this moment? Billy is uh, electrified. By this moment, he jumps up, uh, you know, his heart is racing and he's like, "Okay, so we're on a film set, right? Like that's like that's that's special effects in in the making right now. Like that's not that's not real. Like I'm this is this is a freaking Truman show is happening right now. This is a prank. And and I look to Rodney go, is this a is this a reality show? Is this like the reality show you were on? No. Billy, this is reality. And he stands up. Uh, he still is holding on to Sarah and he just looks out in the jungle, hearing all these noises. And while uh, fear spreads across his eyes, across his mouth, there spreads a slight smile because I think Ronnie Sisto is ready for his second chance. Excellent. And so um, I, I think that, you know, the evening wanes on you guys after a few hours of, of stress and tension, much discussion as to what what this might be an arse rattling off of varieties of dinosaurs that could possibly have been. Uh, I think everybody kind of sleeps fitfully and um, you guys like wake up in the morning 
uh, and the days kind of like pass, right? These first few days pass. There's more than enough to do to keep you busy perpetually. The searching of food. There are many Twinkies that have been found. Some some beef jerky. Uh, a couple of little snack packs. Uh, there's a there's a big dude named Hurley who's been handing out um, the food that from the plane. Uh, a group apparently went out to the cockpit and was able to find the transceiver and then um, a second group apparently gathering to uh, to go out and try to take the higher ground so that they can use it in, in these first few days. And I think we kind of uh, wake up to a morning a few days after the morning of the crash and it's Sarah um, like kind of kind of shaking Rodney awake. So, oh, God. She says, uh, it's it's the beef jerky. Somebody stole it. I, <laughs> we, we had some, but I think it's that fellow down there. He, he's been staying over at the fire next to us. His name's Cal. Cal? That's right, Cal. All right. That's what I said. Okay. Oh. I think that's right. his name. I've never right had words with him, but I, I'm telling you, Rodney, I woke up this morning feeling a bit peckish. And well, we'd save the beef jerky because you, you told us to prioritize the sugar, the Twinkies. They were all gone on that first day. And I know I had some in there. There were at least six Slim Jims left. And I, I saw him chewing on something over there. And it looked real suspicious. All right. I'll, I'll, and he's like sort of, you know, resting the sleep from his eyes. He uh, he agrees to take care of it. Uh, where's Billy right now? Billy has been sleeping uh, in a different tent uh, it, or not a tent quite yet. But it's like a little bit of a lean to uh, he's been spending the past couple of days going through other people's bags with their permission. Of course, you know, Billy seeks consent uh, before he goes rifling through other people's belongings. He's not a boon. Uh, you know, he's he's got a little more uh, decorum than that, though, not to say that thievery outright is uh, is outright beyond him, uh, as we may come to find out someday. Um, but he's he's been, you know, after like really putting on a decent front of being social for the past couple of days, the fact that he has not been able to find the thing he is looking for is starting to wear on him. So he's been in isolation. So and he's not sleeping very well. So by the time that Rodney is waking up to beef jerky gate, uh, a fairly hungry and irritated Billy is alone by his lean to just kind of staring out into the beach uh, and not really joining the great ruckus that seems to be building as everybody is so hungry. Uh, so as Rodney sort of leans into the tent, he says, uh, knock, knock. Uh, I had to say knock, knock because it was a canvas tent and it wasn't a hard surface. Uh, this is Rodney's, no, I, this is I Rodney's another it. attempt at a joke, by the way. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. And Billy not really receiving it as a joke, just like kind of like not because I appreciate the practicality of what it is you're saying. Uh, uh, there, there is nothing really for you to knock on. So you may as well just uh, announce yourself in such a fashion. All right. Well, uh, so here's the deal. Uh, apparently, we've got a, a jerky thief around. And look, I would ordinarily take care of this on my own. But the fact of the matter is uh, this guy looks a little scary. I think he's part of some sort of military. Uh, so I'd appreciate some backup if we uh, take this guy down together or at least talk to him about what he may or may not have taken off with. Uh, you don't want to talk to Kevin. I think Kevin said he was a cop. I don't know, Rodney. I'm just I'm just kind of feeling pretty low today. Uh, did you eat the Twinkies? Like I said, sugar's really going to help. <laughs> no, no, I gave my I gave my I gave my Twinkies to Forrest. 
Forrest Forrest kept saying all sorts of weird, like kind of like samurai type stuff. And it was cool at first, but I I got a little weirded out by it. And I said, if you eat my Twinkies, will you let me just be alone? (laughs) That that seemed to work. So now I feel like I'm regretting that a little bit. And I'm just a little lethargic, but I don't know. Do you really need me on this one? Because if you really need me on this one, I... We actors probably got to stick together, right? Yeah, look, uh, just pretend you're uh, you're playing uh, when uh, John McGrady, the cop role in this in the the fourth force. Just pretend you're you're playing his role. And look, if, if we get the beef jerky back, I'll I'll split it with you. Okay, Lord knows you need some food in your stomach because uh, I, I don't know how much is going to be available on the rescue boat. So are we going to do like good cop, bad cop? And can I can I? Can I be bad cop? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You you be bad cop. Uh, listen, I played a couple of cops in my day. Uh, not necessarily good or bad. Didn't really focus on the law. More so focused on uh, removing badges. But I think I can take the part of good cop. Uh, but let's 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 nail this guy. Oh, well, that was that was what I was more so attuned to. Yeah, and Billy still doesn't like fully understand what it is he's uh, he's referencing there. But I- I'm in. I'm in. Look, now I'm feeling energized because it's like, okay, an acting challenge. Okay, cool. Bad cop. I'm ready for this. I can do bad cop. Let's do bad cop. And if there's a thief, maybe the thief is going to know where my thing is. Yeah, you've been looking for that thing for a while, man. You're gonna tell. You're gonna tell me at all what it is. I think like it's better if you just see it. It's better if you just see it. If I find the thing, it's better if you see it. Oh, yeah. Just spoil that, that was a, that, this is like kind of like a it's, a, it's a show don't tell. You know, you get it as an actor. Like, that's like, I, that I like, very uh, much get show don't tell as yeah, an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Oh, uh, yeah. So hey. the two the two of them are going to try to head towards wherever Kel is. Okay. Uh, I think you guys walk over to him and he's got like a piece of, of canvas or tarp or whatever that he's hung up with one rope. It's like a really simple kind of pup tent, this little, um, like pitched area and he's sitting out in front of it and he seems to be wearing like, uh, some kind of khaki pants that like break down convertible into shorts and he's unzipping them. He's got, he's, this guy seems to have like really nice gear. Uh, he's got these really nice boots. You can't help but notice as you're coming over and a, and a good rain jacket that he's wearing and, uh, he kind of like glances over to the, to the two of you as you approach and nods like, good morning. 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 Uh, <laughs> he like, looks at Rodney like, takes a weird look at Billy. Uh, we, we haven't been uh, introduced. I should say, I know it's been a little crazy since the crash. Uh, I'm, I'm Rodney and he offers his hand. Uh, he like stands up at this point and, uh, and he gives you a good firm handshake and he's like, Kel, and Billy just glowers at uh, Kel with his uh, with his very narrowed one good eye <laughs> and goes, and I'm angry. <laughs> he, he's like, uh, everything all right with your friend there? He he's he's a little fine. Uh, it's a concussion that we're still not sure if he's if he's come <laughs> around on it. Uh, but look, uh, we figured, you know, we'd come around and sort of introduce ourselves because God knows when we're getting off this thing. Uh, I noticed, uh, and I sort of gesticulate to like a, a canvas bag that he has in the corner there. Uh, uh, you, uh, you a military guy? I noticed you uh, really know your way around the bush. Oh, yeah. I'm a serviceman through and through. Nice. I mean, I can't say uh, I, I have experience, but, you know, I did play a couple of soldiers in my day, um, my buddy and I are both uh, men of the men of the camera, we shall say. Eh? 
Yeah. And if Billy like thoroughly understood the extent of Rodney's work, which I still don't think he's fully <laughs> latched on to, I think he would probably have the wherewithal to make a joke about how Rodney has also been a serviceman in some capacity. <laughs> Cal uh, is definitely like looks between the two of you and he's like, oh, that's that's great. I, I've. Well, I was on a TV show once, but uh yeah, you look, he's looking at Rodney now. Like, you look really familiar. I, I can't place you exactly. I'm not what sure. What about me, Kel? Do I look familiar to you? Your friend's making me really uncomfortable, man. He's like looking at Where's you. the jerky? And at this point, Billy just has Kel by the scruff of the neck and he has slammed him into the ground. Oh my God. Where is it? Rodney, Rodney throws, tries to throw Billy off of Kel. Okay, okay. So um, rather even than making an empathy roll, you just grab Cal right by the throat. So yes, I'm gonna yes. need I'm gonna need Billy to make a, a force roll. That's gonna be his force <laughs> plus his body. As Cal starts wrestling with him, and then uh, then we will get to Rodney responding to this. Uh, so what? How many dice is that? Three dice oh, for body. He has no points of force. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> All right, uh, that's great. That's a failure. <laughs> yeah, of course. So he goes to like grab Cal, but he obviously just like gets sidestepped and eats dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cal like just steps, slips out of the way with his military training, and Billy uh, trips like with no depth perception. <laughs> he has no, like, no, his field of vision is screwed. He, he goes down into the sand. Uh, Rodney, what were you going to try to do? You were trying. I was. To I, was I was intending to to separate them, but I think now that Billy uh, has fallen into the sand uh i think rodney will then because i'm assuming like kel will sort of like i don't know he'll probably get spooked by this i think rodney's gonna try to tackle kel now being like okay our jig is up okay okay so uh, <laughs> i blew the cover <laughs> so billy having uh failed to overcome this role you're you're you're, you're we're feeling angry but your flashback scene recovered that before but i think that at this point like all the talk of the beef jerky it's been days you're not getting uh the fare you're accustomed to uh having been a highly successful child actor who's who loves that craft service table um i think you're starving at this point i think you're feeling really hungry yeah, I'm, I think like there's still some anger and certainly like the false bravado that I've put on oh, for yeah. the bad cop performance. And now that I'm hungry as well, I think we've officially carted into the land of hangry. Yep. <laughs> that's that's precisely what I'm thinking. So Rodney, you're going to try to just tackle Kel. He's like looking at Billy on the ground and turns to you, the reasonable one of this pairing. Like, <laughs> what the hell was that, man? Uh, and so you're going to make a body plus force roll to try to tackle him. I, I think, uh, yeah, you know what? I think the jig is up. I think Rodney's okay. going to do this. All right. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do this, Go right? Let's get an action uh, scene. Two, two successes. Two successes. So this is great. You have an <laughs> like extra success. every bone in his body. You only need one to take him down. So with your extra success. Yeah, excessive force. <laughs> It's the fourth force. <laughs> With your extra success, Mike, you could give that success to Billy. You can impress, frighten, or humiliate Cal. You can pin him. You could take something with him, or you can knock him unconscious. 
I'm going to knock him unconscious. <laughs> okay, so I guess Rodney just, like, dives on Mikkel, and Kel, like, goes down and, like, cracks his head oh, on, Jesus. like, one of the suitcases that's, like, in the uh, in the little shelter that he has. But I think in doing so, he kind of, like, yeah, he, he hits his head and, like, slops over completely out. In classic style of Lost, you hit somebody on the head hard enough, they're unconscious. Um, so now what? Um, I'm going to... I, well, first, I guess I'll pick Billy up, uh, mm-hmm. and then I guess. We'll- oh, Rod, I'm so sorry. I re- I think I overplayed it a little bit. I, I uh, yeah. Oh God, is 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 he dead? I, I, is he dead? I, I don't know you little shit. Okay, well, listen, oh, you're not doing God, you're Rod. not doing bad cop anymore. All right. Okay. All right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Not. It, it, I I need to know my limits. I need to know my yeah, limits as an actor. Freaking right, you do. Okay. God, all right, listen, we're... I'm sorry, I was just a little hangry. We're in deep uh, here. All right, listen, you look through his bag. I'm, I'm going to search him. Don't get away from him, and we'll we'll see if we can find this jerky, okay? Okay, all right. Um, okay, so uh, I assume uh, you, uh, you've you got uh, some medical training as established, Rodney. Uh, I assume that you're going to be trying to medically, uh, to medically intervene with poor Kel while I am going to be investigating unconscious as Kel, unconscious Kel's, uh, canvas bag, right? Yeah, I think that's, and I think, I think that Rodney can first search Kel's person a bit to see if maybe he had it on him or maybe it was just a blade of grass he was chewing on. Excellent. Billy, (laughs) why don't, Billy, why don't you go ahead and, uh, you're going to roll your mind plus investigate that six dice. Okay, here we go. That is one success. One success. Okay. And Rodney, okay. you very simply, as you begin to go through Cal's pockets, uh, you find a handful of empty wrappers that used to have beef jerky in them. <laughs> but they, they do not anymore. Uh, so, Billy, while you are searching through the tent, um, investigate. As you're searching, you find a cache of food. You open his bag up and you see that there's a bunch of food stashed in here. This guy has totally like secreted away his own small supply and he clearly did quite an efficient job of it given that he is military. And then I will ask, um, given you have two successes, you're going to find something else as well. Is it the thing you're looking for? No, I feel like the thing I'm looking for is gotta. Yeah, okay. I, gotta, I, I feel like I gotta so. earn that yeah, more, I didn't right? Think we, so. We're not, we're not there yet. <laughs> I don't know if this is even episode one territory, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled at all the food that that we have found here. Like it's not just uh, like little like greasy remnants of beef jerky that we're seeing here, but there's like we got we got Reese's pieces here. We got some M and M's here. We got a whole Hershey bar in here. This is like the chocolate factory. Like Kel was like sitting on like a. This is like a, the the Wonka hatch that we are we've discovered here. And so I think to that end, Billy, that um you realize you're able to gain like even further insight because you did so well in your investigate role that in fact that like. Kels had to go around and like steal this food. There's other food in his bag that like he clearly took from you guys with the beef jerky. This isn't just stuff he collected. He's been like stealing the people's food. Damn. Yeah, there's like Apollo bars and yeah. Here. Oh, Rod, this guy like I don't feel so bad that you knocked this man unconscious. Uh, he's been stealing. He's been hoarding all the chocolate from everybody. This guy's got a sweet tooth. I'm, obviously, I'm saying this as I'm stuffing my mouth uh, filled <laughs> right. filled with chocolate. Okay, just to okay, okay, all right, all right, all right. Let's uh, take a chill pill. Okay, you're gonna give yourself a stomach ache. Uh, all right, okay. look, yeah. 
fact of the matter is, let's let's clean this guy out. Uh, but we need to make it look like nothing happened here. So uh, you know what? I got I got a bit of an idea. Uh, what's the best way? We bury him alive. No, oh, God damn it, <laughs> Billy. All right. Sorry, I still have a little bit of the bad cop thing. All right. So, so look, uh, you know, p- people sometimes, you know, when, when you don't want to make someone look knocked out, uh, I guess, I guess you can make them look like they're sleeping. So if we if we make it look like he's sleeping in his tent, maybe he'll think it was just a dream. Oh no, that's a that's a good. That's a good call. That's like the other movie. You you must be a huge fan of my work. That's Staycation with Ernie. Uh, that's classic <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah, that's that's Staycation. That's Staycay material. All right. Yeah. Let's set him up. Uh, I I don't have any sunglasses, obviously. Uh, but uh, if we've got like, oh, uh, no, it's fine. You found some in his bag. No, there you go. Yeah, let's just like prop him up like a freaking scarecrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if he co- and and Rod, if he comes at us later, like we'll just like. We'll just like tell him like to back down, right? Like we've got the muscles, and now we've got the chocolate. Maybe we can put him on like a chocolate allowance. A ch- a ch- uh, I mean, look, I- I'm not looking to really take the lead on anything here. Okay, seems like there's there there's a you know a, a very nice Iraqi man who seems to be doing that. Uh, the doctor sort of in and out. The I-, I think that you know they got that taken care of. But look. I'm just about covering my own ass at this point, which speaking of what, well, then what do we do? Cause he's going to, he's going to wake up and like, he's going to like tell, he's going to tell the doctor on us at some point. And that guy, even though he's the doctor seems to be like president of the camp look, look, uh, this, or it's like trending that way. This is acting at its finest, right? We just say it was a dream. You know, he never had any food because, you know, what? he's not he's not going to fess up to the food. I got it. He was dead the whole time. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. All right. Yeah. Sure. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm still getting the blood sugar back. Going. It's all right. Look, let's let's just set him up in this sleeping position uh, here. I'll help. And he uh, decides to slip off Kel's cargo shorts and uh, wad them up in the corner of like, yeah, I mean, like nobody sleeps with their pants on. Right. This is going to be <laughs> this is the ultimate sleeping position. Uh, and he's going to try to, like, make the tent look like as if he was sleeping. And then they're going to try to silently slip out and just surreptitiously walk away into the jungle. Okay. I think as the two of you, like, slip out from the tent and begin making your way uh, towards the jungle away from Cal's tent with this stash of food that you've got, um, this torrent of rain just falls out of nowhere, right? Very silently, just like, whoosh and is like pouring and uh you guys begin to like kind of hustle and make your way towards the jungle and and as you get there uh just as you're about to like step into the tree line i think forrest whitaker steps out again and, and he just <laughs> i think he says to you um there's something to be learned from a rainstorm when meeting with a sudden shower you try not to get wet and run quickly along the road by doing such things as passing under the eaves of houses you still get wet, but when you are resolved from the beginning, you will not be perplexed, though you will get the same soaking. Jeez, this guy keeps like, showing up like a ghost, like out of nowhere, like some freaking ghost. Do, do, you, do you need uh, chocolate, That's sir? what Billy says as he sees uh, Vincent the dog running past. He does. It. I think quickly. as you offer him chocolate, he just not, he shakes his head and he said, this understanding extends to all things. And uh, he like points like, they're back. And and you turn like the rain kind of uh, stops as quickly as it started. And you guys turn like looking across the beach and you see uh, the, this crew of uh, the Iraqi guy and, and Freckles and a bunch of them have come back having gone up to um, 
try to find higher ground for the transceiver. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we should go and see what they found. Yeah, as long as, like, as we stuff the food back into the bag, just to make sure nobody yeah. sees it. Okay, excellent. And I guess as you guys like walk over there, you're hearing people talking. There's a couple people like walking away from like where they're all uh, congregated. You know, and one of them's like, he shot. He says he shot a bear. Can you believe it? And, do you think, uh, hey, Rod, do you think they brought the bear back for us to eat? No, there's no bear there. And I think in the background you hear Forrest Whitaker say, uh, ancient cultures used to revere bears the same as men. <laughs> Get away from us! <laughs> um, I think as you guys like head over, uh, uh, Saeed, the Iraqi fellow, he seems to be like directing people in different directions. Um, you know, you, the electronics, you, we, firewood, you, food. And, and so, yeah. Um, I don't know how you guys want to spend like the next the next day or so. Is there anything in particular you want to try to do? No, I think, you know, maybe uh, maybe Billy and Rod, like when when the group is starting to divide, maybe maybe uh, like a moment of like morality slash uh, this is a possible like social win that uh, since there's the food group, uh, we can present the bag of chocolates that we have. Mm. And it's like, look, we found all these chocolates and now everyone can eat them. And like, we're like having like a moment where we want to just ingratiate ourselves yeah. further with this. Love that idea. And so I think like Arst and Nikki and Paolo and, uh, and Kevin and Sarah, uh, they're all like sitting with you guys at your camp and you're able to go. Kind of- like, we're only like sharing this with our friends. Yes. Yes. So like, you only know, our like, other there's like this elitist group that seems like they're forming that like they're like we're like hey can we go to the jungle like no 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 it's just us we're the only crew that gets to go off on these cool little missions we're like screw you dudes like that's really lame and so like uh sarah sarah stripes we're we're giving her peanut butter cups mm-hmm. uh forest like we've got we've given him a toblerone mm-hmm. uh you know we've got we've got our friends we're starting to develop our circle yep yep i i dig it uh it's your small little crew on the far side of the beach you know and so i think like that night as you guys are kind of like sitting around the fire eating these uh reese's peanut butter cups so you hear like the gunshot ring out across the camp uh and it's really like jarring and and shattering but um at the least like the marshal stopped screaming oh no wait there he is again screaming louder uh (laughs) and so yeah you guys sleep you wake up the next morning. There's some conversation around the beach that there's going to be a memorial service for all the folks that have died. <sighs> I mean, that seems fair. Uh, and a small crew know. of people seem to identify uh, the, this weird old man. He's always playing Othello with the little kid. It's very strange. It doesn't seem right. He um, he seems to be leading a party out to go hunt boar as well. Well, that's great because there was like the scary, like little uh, boar invasion, the Bay of Pigs. That's true. That happened, in, in, in the uh, la- last night. Which, oh, yeah, just last night. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like maybe I would have been useful in that encounter if I just found my thing, the one thing to kill them all. But um, uh, I still haven't found. And I think Ronnie, you know, as as they serve, he watches uh, the old man and freckles and, uh, the dad who looks like he's about to rip off his shirt sleeves, walk into the jungle. He just sort of shakes his head and mutters to himself. Totally copying my move by Yeah, the way. exactly. He just sort of shakes his head and mutters to Billy like amateurs. Yeah. I don't like their chances, look, but uh, look, uh, they can bring back some, uh, some, some slab bacon, some fat back. I'm going to be pretty happy, guys. I mean, so look, let him, let him try. Listen, I know firsthand when it comes to hunting game, you don't 
go for pigs. Okay, they're they're gamey and they're stinky. And since smell is so intrinsically linked to taste, that's going to make it taste bad. And that's when you end up throwing up everything you had. That's why you got to go for good smelling things. You know, if, if they if they were pursuing something that was better smelling, maybe they'd have more success and we'd be happily fed. But I think right now this this ball guy just does not know what he's doing. I think uh, old man Kevin kind of kind of says to you as you give this whole speech, Rodney, like, it sounds like you're the only one out here that knows what's going on. Listen, uh, uh, for me, that irritates Billy a little bit, but he's not saying anything. And but but he is remembering like, Kevin, I'm supposed to be your guy. And uh, he does. He, he does like look to you, Billy, and kind of acknowledging the both of you like um, he says, clearly, those those guys over there don't have much room for us. We're going to have to make sure that we are all taking care of each other. Because nobody else is looking out for us. What do you uh what do you mean by that, Kev? Well, he says we're running out of Reese's peanut butter cups, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it seems uh if they're gonna go hunt the boar, you, you think they're gonna be giving you the fat backs? Huh? You think so, Rodney? I don't think so. I think they're gonna be giving us some kind of broth with boiled pig's feet in it, probably. The the, the doctor, the rock star, uh the terrorist, hell. Even even the dirty thief pillaging all the bodies, he's in better with them than any of us. So I'm thinking we need to we need to find some food. All right, look, I'm I'm happy to mount a counter mission if you are, Kevin. Anybody else want to come? Yeah, you know I'm getting a little fidgety because uh, I'm having like the opposite problem that I had before. Like now I'm feeling wired. <laughs> uh, I'm like a uh, sugar high because I love peanut butter cups. And I like Apollo bars, and I've had a lot of them. Uh, so, yeah, I'm probably going to be in a very bad way if I don't get some protein soon. So, yeah, I may as well sign up for this expedition. All right. Anybody else? Uh, they're all kind of sitting quietly, and Kevin looks around at all of them like, Jesus. Well, I mean, I'll go with you, of course. Of course, and I think Kevin. Sarah's like, um, I'll come if, you, if you'd if like, Rodney, but I'm just not sure how much use I'll be out there. Oh, Sarah. You'll be of quite the use, don't you worry. And I think it's, it's, and Rodney sort of like shoots like a, he sort of like winces his eyes as he sort of stares directly into Sarah's. Excellent. And so I guess uh, the four of you, Forrest uh, is, is like definitely not acknowledging any of this conversation. He's just being weird and quiet. Uh, Nikki and Pal are off looking for luggage. You know, ours is collecting bugs. So I think that the four of you are going to, uh, to make your way into the woods. So I guess do you, do you like gather any kind of, income? what are we going to do? What's the plan here? Do you just blindly head into the forest, the jungle? Yeah, I guess Rodney has no idea what he's doing, if that's not clear enough. But I don't think he wants to come across that way. So I think he's going to try to rustle up any navigational skills he feels like he has to uh, try to BS his way into a hunting party to be like, oh, no, we couldn't find any food. You know, that's his hope. Okay. Yeah. And and Billy is thinking uh, like maybe he's I don't know if he's sensing that from Rodney, but Billy is having a little bit of a memory uh, because he's he's thinking about Kevin a little bit. And he's still like kind of like mad that Kevin's like ID'd Rodney as the leader. So he's like he's really ruminating on Kevin a little bit. And as he's ruminating on Kevin, he's remembering what happened when he and Rodney first 
went off into the jungle with 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 Billy in wheelchair and Rodney playing the part of his uh, the the Matthew Abaddon mm-hmm. to Billy's John Locke. Mm-hmm. Uh, that as they were trekking into the jungle, Billy kind of has this light bulb eureka moment. He goes, "Animal tracks. We saw animal tracks where we were trying to find Kevin before, and they were like kind of like they were kind of like paw prints, like they were almost like." I don't know. It'd be weird if there were like gigantic cats somewhere around the island, but like whatever. There, there, there were there were paw prints not far away from where we found Kevin. Let's go. Let's go there, and maybe we can maybe we can find some. Uh, Rodney lets out a, a you know a, a, a happy sigh that he will not have to uh, come up empty-handed. Says, "Oh, that's oh uh, well, what an incredible idea! Yes, let us follow those paw prints. Because I'm sure where there are paws, there are legs to chew on." Excellent. And so uh, I think that uh, you guys head back into the trail and you're right around the place where you found and rescued Kevin and you kind of saw Vincent the dog and you begin to follow this uh, game trail. It's it's pretty like easily discernible. And, and um, the more you're on it, the more kind of familiar you're starting to get. And it, it starts leading you inland and, and up hills. And I think we get the montage and like that great music, right? It's the expedition, you know, you guys are, you're climbing and, and the camera's like panning up these hills as you guys are helping each other, you know, you're, and you're, Billy's thinking like there had to have been a faster way. <laughs> why, why are we pulling? on these 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 vines to guide us up the hill but all right we've made it this far yeah this is definitely you know kevin lifting sarah so that you could grab her billy and pull her up on a hill header of rodney it's a, all of you guys kind of now uh, we see you coming down this trail and you've been out here for hours you're hot you're sweaty there are mosquitoes all over the place uh, ronnie's lost his stressful. shirt Yes. Yes. Not the first time. Um, and so I think as you guys are like making your way along this trail, uh, hey, hey, Billy, why don't we have you make a wits roll? Mind plus wits. That's going to be six dice. All right. All right. Let's do it. Here we go. One, uh, two successes. Two successes. Excellent, Billy. With two successes, that gives you the opportunity to act before this trouble overwhelms you and uh, to understand exactly what threat is here. And so I, I think that there's a moment that like you hear a driplet of like water of moisture and you're like, oh, crap, is it going to rain again? Is forest going to show up? But you look up into the air and you see this boar like hanging from a tree branch above you, dripping blood, which you're like, what? In Whoa. But then these eyes appear behind it glimmering in the shadows as this face begins to emerge. It's a jungle cat about to pounce oh, on you. No! Jungle cats. <laughs> no, they're real. And I said I was a cat person, but I didn't mean jungle cat. So I think the jungle cat like drops the boar, which like falls loosely to the ground and you're able to act. And uh, your friend Rodney, you also able to cry to him to act before anything occurs. What are you going to do, Billy? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to run away from the jungle cat, right? Like that's the, that's the move or do I have to stay perfectly still? Uh, obviously I think Billy is panicking a little bit. Uh, and maybe I'm just going to interject here and say, you could use empathize on things that aren't people. You could make an empathize role to understand what the best thing to do in the face of the cat is. Uh, yeah, because Billy is like thinking about like, listen, he's a cat person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy, Billy loves, loves cats. May have even lost one recently. Mm. May even be hoping that he will reunite with his cat 
in an existential afterlife church someday. Uh, and maybe he's standing there and he's looking the jungle cat in the eyes. If you're like, is it possible that we could be friends? <laughs> he he is gonna try to empathize and tame the jungle (laughs) i can't imagine it's gonna work uh, but let's see where this goes billy surprisingly quite competent at this task we're gonna roll his heart plus his empathy that's six dice oh god the dots are good here we go that is two successes Two, wow two successes you only needed one they really are a cat person two so you understand that uh what is the cat gonna do it wants to jump on you and kill you guys but you understand billy how can i make her do something you know that you in fact you and this cat could be friends they could and you feel pretty confident uh what do you want her to do to run away and leave your friends no so i drop to my knees Mm -hmm. and i start and i start whistling peter and the wolf at the cat oh my gosh And then I, I stick my hand out and I and I put it put it out like a fist, uh, very and kind of like limp wristedly, and uh, I offer it to the cat to see if the cat wants to scratch its face up against my fist. Perhaps all it needs is somebody to oh to God. itch it and, and show it some affection. <laughs> and so, the, and so, and so, those are my moves. Will the will the whistle? Uh, lull the the cat into a sense of security. Okay, at this and, point, you're going to make a <laughs> charm roll, which you don't have, but you have a high heart rating, and you're going to get an extra die for your empathy. So roll okay. six dice for him. Wow, okay. We got a pretty you're good shot. You're losing one, actually. Only five dice. You're losing okay. one because of your condition. Okay, here we go. We got three successes. Three wow. successes. I'm the cat man. Cat Master Billy. <laughs> okay. All right. And so I think this cat's like pretty clearly like falling under my spell, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Completely. The cat has dropped the carcass of the boar at your feet, the feet of the group. And it's approached Billy uh, much to the, the concern of everybody there. Um but it seems quite enamored with him. It rubs his fist first with the chin and then it proceeds to like head bump him. And at this point, like it almost like kind of bowls Billy over as it's licking his face with its enormous yeah. rough tongue, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like scratching the underside of the, of the cat's face and it's like moving its head all around so I can like scratch all the places. Like it's like art directing me in terms of where to be scratching it. And like, it's for the first time in days now, I'm feeling that same feeling that I felt at the start uh, of the of this journey where I felt like I had landed here with such purpose and such authority. And like, this was my moment to shine. This is my movie. I'm back. I'm back. My career, it's going to it's going to come back to me. Everything that I've lost, everything that I've wanted uh, for myself, the glory of my youth. And then these last few days of of anger and depression and and uh, and and chocolate binging. Uh, and the lack of being able to find what it is that I'm looking for literally has made it feel like it's been impossible to find what I'm looking for existentially. And yet here I am, I have, I'm standing with this gigantic boar carcass that, is, that we may be able to feast on, and it would appear that I have befriended one of the island's locals. And I think looking back at, the, at, at, uh, at Rodney and the crew, they seem to be they seem to be pretty impressed. And it's like, this is that moment where like, I do feel like this is my destiny. 
I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to be befriending jungle cats and providing food for my friends on the island. Uh, yeah, I think that the cat, you can recognize that the cat in the simplicity of its existence is able to appreciate, um, your, your sheer force of will as a leader and, uh, the, the potential of Billy Wallace finally being recognized. And so the cat clearly like deeply enamored with you, uh, after like licking you many times, it casually kind of turns eyeing in all the rest of this group and Kevin senior clearly impressed, just like, I'll be damned. And the cat like turns and kind of just slips off into the jungle, leaving you all with this poor carcass to bring back to the camp. And I look over at Kevin senior. I say, I think we'll have enough for leftovers. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess that's the, that's the cut on the commercial break. It's a, I think we come back to all of you around a fire with the boar like roasting you know what I mean and arse like stuffing meat in his face like yeah who needs who needs those popular kids on the other side of the beach you know <laughs> yeah we're definitely like making our fire like far enough away yeah. that nobody no, knows I, I think we're is. making we're it doing. in the middle of the jungle like I think that we're trying to, we're trying to eat quickly too because like the memorial service is coming up pretty soon yeah. we don't want to be late yeah. to it that's very suspicious yeah. look I'm, I'm look I'm and we catch them you know in the middle of conversation and Roddy's saying Look, I'm just saying, a uh, little ponytail guy over there keeps scrounging for supplies. Uh, he's he's uh, he's a cruising for a bruising nowadays, cur- courtesy of the RSS Rodney. If you know what I mean. Oh, I, I imagine that you could wipe the floor with him. He is not a gentleman, Rodney. Nothing like you at all. And look, you gotta have etiquette out here. You know, uh, if not, we're no better than that jungle cat that Billy loves. You sure do know how to treat a girl, Rodney. Oh, listen, I, kn- I, I call her me impressed. I've treated many women in my lifetime, and listen, <laughs> it just comes naturally. Um, and so, yeah, I think that you guys are able to scarf up your boar uh, uh, just in time for as the darkness comes on. You know, they're planning on lighting the the fire in the fuselage uh, to to get rid of the last of the bodies and have this memorial service. So you're all going to head down there. Yeah, I think so. I think it would be, again, there has to be some etiquette, so I think it would be rude for us not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with bacon on our breath. Uh, we're, you know, with, with bacon on our breath, and like I've got like a face that kind of smells like uh, jungle cat tongue. Uh, I think we're going we're gonna to head down and pay our respects. Not like we know any of these people, but, you know, we want to like, uh, and it's not like we're going to really gain too much favor with the greater masses at this point. It seems like we've got our click. But let's go. Let's yeah. go see what's going on anyway. Excellent. And so uh, you head down there and it's really very somber and quiet. There are a few notable absences of people that aren't here. The doctor not here. But but the young pregnant girl, uh, Claire, her name is, is, is reading off a series of names and, and driver's licenses, passports. She's talking about movie rentals and all these kind of things. And and you guys, I imagine, very like politely and appropriately, you're there. You're, you're, being, uh, you're being kind and thoughtful and considerate. But but um, after a few moments drone on and, and you've been here for quite a time now already and, and she's gone through quite a bit of names. The fire, let's be honest, it's not pleasant what's happening here. It's, it's quite putrid and toxic. This is not really a, a wonderful environment that you want to linger in, but you feel obligated to out of respect to all these people. It could have been any any of them could have been you, but not really because this is your destiny, Rodney, uh, uh, Billy. And so um, – I think that, 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 you know, you may be tuning out a little bit 
dare I suggest, when Claire, uh, you know, reads this one name that that strikes with you because it's the name of uh, your friend, the man that you've rescued from from the beach. And she's Kevin Garvey Sr. What? Mm-hmm. It seems he was a uh, chief of police in Mapleton in New York. I've never been to New York, but I hear it's I hear it's beautiful. And and Sarah, I think at this point, like grabs your arm, Rodney, and is squeezing her. Well, what did I? Uh, is it over? Garvey, that that's all Kevin's name. That this can't be, Rodney. And I think Claire is like uh, reading on, like he's uh, survived by his son Kevin Junior. Uh, that's all. I, I don't really know much else. There wasn't much. And I think it's, it's very, very, very slowly coming to, to over with Rodney that exactly what that means. Uh, and I think I think in like the slowness of that moment, right, as Rodney, as we watch Rodney's face, like come to the realization of, of what like Claire just explained to you. I think the camera like tilts back a little bit and we could see uh, in the background standing just behind the silhouette of like Rodney and Sarah Stripes and Billy Wallace, the figure of Kevin Garvey Sr. standing on the edge of the jungle. And that's a right, cut to black. Oh, my God. Wow. And, and end episode one of the Lost RPG. Scene. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome, you guys. Uh, oh, my wow. goodness. Oh, wow. Wow. Big, okay. big revelation. Lots of secrets being Ooh. revealed, but you saved the best one. For the end, they thought they were safe in their clique. Turns out they are consorting with something out there that truly isn't alive. Cannot wait to see if and when they figure that out. Oh my god, what a cliffhanger here as one of the Chocolate Crew's very own... The, the 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 cocoa bandits if i may dub yes. them as such uh that one of the cocoa bandits is very own senior they're the elder statesmen of their crew uh we're hearing that this person is dead but but we've been consorting with them the whole time how could that possibly be well we will not find out the answer until the next time we arrive at an episode of the lost rpg here on down the hatch mike what did you think how did how did how did that go for you i had a lot of fun personally uh rodney's secret was something that i came up with out of nowhere i'm very intrigued to see how it was received but you know what i was looking for a genuine maybe it's not on the same level as lock in the wheelchair but i think it's hopefully certainly surprising enough uh, that I was happy to sort of make my, uh, I guess that would be the equivalent of Kate being the prisoner, right? In terms of character revelations that occur in the first half of this chunk here, but I'm, yeah, lo- I'm loving it. So. It's been a lot of fun. I'm really liking the dynamic between Billy and Rodney as well, uh, where, you know, they started on weird terms and they're, despite the fact that they, they are both working in the entertainment industry in some capacity they are extremely different and especially treat the island especially different so i'm sure more of that is going to come out as they come to terms with what exactly is going on on this island yeah and i get the sense that like uh even as they are uh they are kind of like 
growing closer together, there is a there is a degree to which that that is authentic. But I think that there is still like this sort of like weird amount of jealousy that Billy is feeling towards Rodney that uh, will will have to will inevitably be coming to a head at some point down the line, even if Rodney isn't feeling the same way necessarily towards Billy. Uh, but Billy has just like had like this great moment of dem- this very demonstrative moment in front of the rest of the crew that he is uh he he seems to be at, at peace with the animals of the island at the very least. Oh, there was some sort of smoky smell to the jungle cat. So who knows what the deal was with all of that? Mm. Uh, but like it was a fairly impressive display of of importance and prominence for the for the cocoa bandits there with Billy. That I think that uh, going into and you would assume if we were just going into the very next day of island living, he'd be feeling pretty good. If not for the fact that they all now know that one of their friends is either not who he says he is or like even more weirdly may just be dead. Uh, so they're going to have to, they're going to have to contend with that. And also uh, they're going to have to talk to Forrest Whitaker yes. about, uh, uh, you know, maybe like stop like showing up like, uh, like, like John Turturro out of nowhere and Mr. <laughs> Deeds all the time. He's very sneaky. Uh, very sneaky, uh, but uh, obviously loving all the ghost dog pulls, I think, are pretty fun here. Rich, this was a blast this was so as much usual. Fun, and I cannot wait to see. We have so many lingering threads and so many mysteries. You know, what is Billy's mysterious item that he's been looking for? Uh, mm-hmm. When will Sarah Stripes and Rodney inevitably break up? Because, you know, that's going <laughs> to happen. Uh, you know, has Kel woken up yet? And if so, how pissed off will he be? And will they be able to? Yeah, I think we've made a, a lifelong enemy. Yeah. In, uh, yes. in so we'll see, we'll see how much our uh, our our Hail Mary of, oh, no, it was all a dream. You're sleeping was is going to work out there we've certainly planted some seeds and i cannot wait to see them grow over the myriad of time we have covering lost and going back to the lost rpg podcast um i i had a delightful time i hope that was fun for you guys i I was so um concerned i guess about like handling such precious characters and like playing in this space and and how to like balance that but um i really had a blast i hope it was a lot of fun for you guys i think it was a great start and I think that um, it's, this is really a delight for me on a total nerd tangent. They like to say in Stranger Things they're playing a campaign. A campaign is a series of sessions of a role-playing game that continue from session to session. So this is the beginning of our actual campaign. And I get to put the correct stamp on that term in pop culture, if I may. That um, Yeah, th- there's a lot of potential here. And uh, God, I had such a good time. All right, so we will see what happens next in our Lost RPG campaign at some unknown point in the future. We will be back to check in on Billy Wallace and Rodney Sesto and Sarah Stripes and Forrest Whitaker <laughs> and Kevin Garvey Sr. and the Jungle Cats and, and Kel with his beef jerky and his hidden uh, <laughs> cache of, of chocolate that has since melted away but has solidified a friendship in the Cocoa Bandits. We will find out what happens to all of these characters at some point down the line. Next, when we come back 
back for Down the Hatch, you will find out what Mike and I think about White Rabbit, the Jack Shepard-centric episode of Lost. By the time you are listening to this podcast, it is very likely that Mike and I have already recorded our takes on White Rabbit. So in case it's too late to get your feedback in for that episode, it's at least never too late to get in feedback for Down the Hatch, period. In general, you can send us emails at downthehatch at postshowrecaps.com by far and away. The best way to get your feedback into us, but you can also tweet at us on Twitter. I'm at Round Howard. Mike is at a Mike Bloom type. And you should, of course, tag at Post Show Recaps as well if you want to ask us questions on Twitter. Our Philly, where can people find you on the internet? I am Warfrat1625 on Twitter. It's W-H-A-R-F-R-A-T-1625. And uh, yeah, hit me up. I uh, right. designed a little bit of a role-playing game to actually like run this system. And so uh, if you have questions about the rules, feel free to hit me up. All right. Hit up our Philly for all of that. Uh, just just so thrilled with mm-hmm. how this all went and just had such a blast. Uh, Mike, anything else to add? No, I think we should uh, watch the fires and watch our backs when it comes to our friends and just look forward to, as we end on this cliffhanger, the literal cliffhanger we will experience in White Rabbit and moving forward. <laughs> all right. With that said, we are the Coco Bandits signing off. Before we close out today's Lost RPG podcast, one last thanks to our friends over at True Car. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today.